Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, Mots, we're back. We are um, session number 11 of The Rink Shrinks. Uh, We'd like to welcome back a couple sponsors. Yeah, so welcoming back Integral Hockey Boston, uh, our presenting sponsor. Joe Bartell uh, does a great job at repairing hockey sticks that are broken. So when they're uh, broken, you want to keep them in play. Don't throw them away. It's a, uh, a, a situation where if, you know you, you break a stick, they, uh, they offer shaft and blade repairs, uh, as well as D1 Pro Stock refurbs that can save you up to 70% uh, instead of buying a new stick. It's a great alternative to save some money. And uh, I used um, actually your brother's stick that uh, was refurbed by Joe and I'm out there shooting pucks uh, in practice quite a bit, and and I actually see no difference. So it was a uh, blade refurb, and it was uh, you know he has a nice stick to begin with that you know has the nice flex and everything. So there's nothing that is um, you know uh, different than from when it was uh, brand new. So as far as Joe and, and Integral Hockey, he's, he's seeing some. Uh, some good results from the listeners. So as far as a presenting sponsor, we want to thank Joe and, and uh, his continued success. Yeah, make sure you visit that website at IntegralHockeyBoston.com. And um, like I said, Joe's great. And, and, and like you said, Mots, he, uh, he's an excellent communicator too. A parent on my team actually reached out to me because he was uh, they sent him a Facebook message and he got back to him right away. So very good communication and uh He's he's spot on with that stuff and and like you said I have one of the the sticks with the um, a shaft repair and I notice no difference in the kick point and things like that so it's it's good stuff. We'd also like to welcome back uh, Rusta Mariano and the Boston Junior Terriers. Uh, the Junior Terriers are one of the top youth organization um, in the in New England and 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 also throughout the country. Um, the Boston Junior Terriers play out of the Canton Sportsplex in Canton, Mass., as well as the Mock Bavis Arena down in Rockland, Mass. Um, they are centrally located and offer easy access to the ranks from all major areas with several age groups nationally ranked for years. The Boston Junior Terriers have conti- continued to provide a professional coaching, top-notch skill sessions, and great competition. Uh, the Terriers play in the Eastern Hockey Federation, which obviously Mott's week we've coached in. I'm also a coach of the... Uh, uh, three teams within the the uh, Terriers organization, and these guys they do a great job. So make sure when you're choosing uh, club hockey, uh, your tuition, all those type of things, uh, you're getting incredible value with the Junior per- Terriers program. Uh, they do a great job, and and you know I really enjoy being a being a part of the dogs. Nice, yeah. Russ and his staff do a great job. You know, uh, creating a good environment, good culture, and you know, um, Brian, you do a great job. I know uh, from. From the coaching side of things and, you know, getting good coaches. We talk about having good coaches within a program, and, and Russ has done a good job of kind of getting a good team together as far as coaches and um, providing the right instruction for, for that program. So definitely a great uh, option for when you're looking to get a higher-end uh, um, hockey option for, for, your, for your kid or your boy or girl. Yeah, for more information, make sure you uh, visit terriershockey.com and mention the rink shrinks if you want to join a learn-to-play session. Um, 
or if you want to join any school vacation program this winter, you'll receive a 20% discount if you mention the Ring Shrinks. So good stuff there, and thanks again for the support. All right, Mots, let's get right into things here. We um, First of all, I'd like to, I mean, give you a little stick tap here. You're playing injured. Mott's, uh, Mott's had a little hip replacement, uh, old man River over here, and... Uh, He's he's got the QB under the desk. He's 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 loosening up the hips and he's grinding away. But it's good to have you back. I know the uh, the hips a long way from the heart. So uh, yeah, good it's a stuff. long long way from the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> so we got uh, yeah the QB QB whatever it is underneath the uh, the desk, keeping the legs moving, getting my steps in. But yeah, now it was uh, definitely time to get it done. It was some constant pain, occupational hazard, but. Uh, you know, no wor- worse for the wear. So occupational hazard there. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There you go. And obviously, uh, we'll get you a shake weight or something too. Do you know what I mean? Really <laughs> get, get the you, upper body going. Yeah, really get you moving around over there and stay loose. But uh, we, uh, you know, we had the USA capture the World Junior Championship, which is great stuff. What do you think about that, Mots? Well, I think it was amazing hockey um, all around. Great tournament. Great timing when you know the NHL wasn't playing. You know, it was just full. Uh, participation on on the viewership uh you know nothing else to watch really for hockey so um but yeah just as far as the quality of play you know from top to bottom it was great um Canada had a great team that was you know uh you know full of you know future prospects you know the U.S. same same thing all great uh prospects for these pr- uh organizations that have have done a good job at kind of recruiting and uh drafting and whatnot so Seeing that product on the ice and and the excitement and the emotion that goes into it uh, was quite a thrill. So um, as far as U.S. coming out on top, it was, I you know I think the um, announcers mentioned it, but like they were playing at a you know in a little bit of a tougher bracket um, throughout the tournament, so they had to play, I think, up a little bit more consistently, whereas Canada you know had to you know turn it on. And when you get put on your heels a little bit, um, it's tough to kind of just turn that around. And, you know, U.S. kind of got that first goal early in, in, the, in the championship game and played with a lot more confidence and kept pushing the pace. Um, you know, Canada came back and had a good push and and uh, kind of settled down. But uh, Spencer Knight was kind of the difference maker down the stretch in, in goal. So, but uh, ultimately, good hockey. Uh, again, disappointing finish for the for the Canadians, but, you know, congratulations to the U.S. team. Yeah, no, it was awesome. I think the speed and the skill level just really jumped out at me. That was out, it was, it was outstanding, the pace that they all played with, and uh, a lot of good talent, obviously, that, you know, we're going to be watching a lot of those guys very soon uh, in, in the NHL, you know what I mean, and, and that's pretty good. Obviously, Trev, Trevor Zegers was phenomenal. Uh, for the U.S. team, he was fantastic, and like you said, Spencer Knight, and it was good to see, um, a bunch of New England ties, you know what I mean? Some some local kids, some kids that have played at Dexter, and obviously Danny Donato has done a great job over there developing talent. And, you know, obviously the Canadian um, goaltender is committed to, to he's going to be playing at, at Northeastern. And obviously, like you said, Spencer Knight and um, all those guys. It was it was really good stuff. It was fun hockey to watch. And, you know, the the Canadians had a a great team. And uh, obviously, you know, it was, it was fun fun hockey to watch, that's for sure. Yeah, no, Matty Benares from a uh, local kid from Hingham. Uh, he's uh, he had a great tournament. Just kind of a real two-way player. Yep, um, two hundred foot, and you know, just as, when you see like the that age being able to play a polished game in in pressure situations, understanding what to do with the puck, 
and make plays under pressure. It's it's pretty impressive to uh, to see because you look back and you think, you know, what would I w- what I would have done? You know, he's just trying to make plays and survive a bit. But uh, these guys really understand the game and and playing it at a high level, high pace, great skill level, like you said, and uh, that translates. And that's the way the way the NHL is going right now. And these kids can step right in and be not just you know kind of happy to be there. They can make an impact and. You know, on both sides, the, the Canadian uh, team has a ton of players that you know have been will be going to the training camps right from from that game, and um, we wish them all the best because it was a, a treat to watch. And uh, with just as far as hockey uh, fans, we're in uh, we're in good shape with the, those players coming through. Yeah, what'd you think about that uh, little barrel incident with the Canadian logo? And I know that was kind of a hot topic. Yeah, I, I didn't really know. Uh, know too much about it but you know i'm sure there was something behind the scenes that maybe it was like a motivating factor or whatnot internally in the locker room but um you know each team uses whatever they can to to gain that edge and you know uh it must have been some type of barrel uh yeah. talk going on but who knows i don't know yeah i don't know enough about it either i think it uh you know, obviously, like you said, every every coach uses different things, and maybe it was, uh, you know, by by bringing the barrel out on the ice, it kind of showed maybe what was going on in the locker room and, and things like that. But I, uh, like you said, I think it was used as some type of motivating factor, and and you know, it is what it is. The U.S. won, and and you know, we tipped their caps to them. They did a great job, and obviously Nate Lehman and it was Teddy Donato's on the staff, and some of those other guys. So it was good to. Uh, Good victory for the U.S. Uh, switch and turn, you know, the tables a little bit. Obviously, uh, we had Zdeno Charo depart from the, the Bruins, and, you know, I think it was uh, a long time coming, and it was, you know, obviously it, it, it's tough to see Z go, and, and, you know, he obviously had an amazing impact um, with the Bruins. But um, Patrice Bergeron getting the C, obviously you can talk. You were a teammate of those guys. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I, I mean, Z did a great job leading. You know, he led by example and, uh, I mean, always in the weight room and kind of pushing guys and just a great person. Uh, but the the person that I think was the heartbeat of that team was Bergeron, or is that the heartbeat of that team? Like a logical um, successor to Chara, but um, you know, as a teammate, you know, he's kind of a quiet guy, but when he says something, you know, everyone listens. Meaningful, yeah. Yeah, and he's respected across the room, across the league. Just from the way he plays, you can tell. Um, you know, he, he's just a great player, 200 foot, um, good in all areas, and just he does everything really well. Like even off the ice, yeah, you know, just super guy. But uh, just really happy for him, um, and they'll be in good shape uh, for years to come with him because you know, he's a uh, a guy that stays in shape. He's he's a leader. Like he he values the the small things that uh, go a long way and. You know, as far as a captain, sometimes you know people think that the captain has to be the best player. But you know, you look at guys like, a, say, a Stevie uh, Eiserman. You know, as he got older, he took less of a role, but he was still a leader. Right. So you know, on those you know high flying um, Red Wing teams when they were winning cups and Dadsuk was coming through and whatnot, like he took a lesser role, but he was still there, kind of driving force for for leadership. And that takes a, a, a kind of a big. Um, you know, it's a, it, it's it's a character thing, in my opinion, to to kind of put the ego aside and and you know you're you've been such a high end player for so long, but to take less ice time and and still lead by example and, and be the guy, then 
Uh, it just speaks volumes about the character of a person, and, and Bergeron's that type of player. Yeah, I love the I love the video that kind of went uh, viral too with Masha and uh, you know the GM Don Sweeney giving making the announcement, and he kind of put the C on Marshawn's jersey, and then he uh, he took it, and, and obviously he was like, we all know who the real leader is. But it just so shows the culture of the locker room, you know what I mean? you got to th- keep things loose and have fun, and I I, I love that stuff. A little, uh, a little psycho type of thing, you know. Can I jump in here and ask a quick question from the NHL level? Losing a player like Chara, what does that do for a locker room? Like, what is that? You know, obviously he was a huge part of that locker room. What does that do to the younger players? Just, you know, and obviously we're kind of speculating, but from your experience. Well, I, I think it's a, a time and an opportunity for other other players to step up. Like, younger players that have been kind of in the shadow enough, or like if, if Zidane was taking minutes, now they have to step up and, and really perform to their capabilities, take on a bigger role. And, you know, Z was taking a little bit less uh, ice time as he was going, but sometimes he would take more, you know, like it was meaning, you know, he, he would dictate sometimes, you know, I know firsthand he took a few of my shifts. <laughs> He's like, no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hop over the board. Hey, there. what's your name again? Why don't you sit down? <laughs> exactly. So, no, I, I think it's a great opportunity for these younger players to come, come up and, and kind of realize their, more of their potential. And, um, you know, that's the positive side of it. The negative side is the immediate you know, impact of, of a loss of his uh, stature, you know, PK leadership. But those, uh, those holes can be uh, filled, and I think, uh, you know, it's an exciting time for some of those young guys on the back end. Yeah, I think a guy like Brandon Carlo and obviously Charlie McAvoy, Matt Grizzlick, those type of guys, uh, you're going to see an increase in their minutes, and they're going to really start to flourish too. Because um, McAvoy's not even at 200 games yet, right? Isn't that kind of like the barometer? Like, get to 200, that's kind of where they kind of stand, you know, get to that next level? Yeah, definitely on the back end. The D usually take a little bit more time to kind of gain a little experience, kind of see some of those tendencies and find their game. Um, yeah, 200 games is kind of that, that threshold. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so I think uh, – they're going to be in good shape. Obviously, it's tough to see him go, and we thank him for his service. And obviously, you know, he did a, He did an unbelievable job. But good stuff all around. I, uh, I know, Mots, we, we have a couple topics today that, that kind of drive us nuts, and uh, we can talk to those a bit. Uh, I know you wanted to bring one up, and, and, and you like to call it beaver tailing. Why don't you explain what, the, what that is? So when one of your teammates has the puck and you're open or you think you're open and you bang your stick a bunch on the ice like a beaver does, you know, like banging his tail to, to, to let your teammate know that you're open. I just think it's uh, – it just bothers me, you know, because, uh, number one, you're telling the opposing team that you're open and where you are. Um, and also, sometimes you're not as open as you think. There could be a guy right behind you, you're beaver tailing, you're, you're just skating into coverage, whatever it is. But um, I just think it's something that has crept into a lot of games – uh, as a scout and you know as a parent and a coach just watching games you know you see kids who want the puck which is great but the beaver tailing should be thrown out the window yeah i think um one of the things i always talk about is when you bang your stick on the ice kind of everybody knows what you're doing everybody's stick sounds the same so the other team like we talk about false information all the time like they can give a little stick tap and stuff so it's be vocal use your voice like communicate that's that's the most important thing and that's not done by beaver tailing and slapping your stick on the ice you know what i mean if i want the puck puck from you i'm moving and getting open and it's mots 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 you know i try to tell you know my players that i coach is you know 
talk to one another, use a nickname, call him his last name, whatever it is, because now I know and I recognize that voice, and that's going to help me kind of find you in that open area. Right, and especially that the worst part is when you beave a tail and you get the puck and then you don't do anything with it or, like, you bobble the puck or whatever. Yeah, if I'm going to give it to you, you better handle it and make a play. At least get it back to me. Yeah, you know, you, you you play with a guy uh, in men's league, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So this guy, uh, we called him the woo guy. This guy was awful. Like, it was it was pickup hockey, and I'd be skating up the ice, and, and he wasn't, you know, I, I give him credit. He was communicating and talking, calling for the puck. He wanted it, you know what I mean? But he would he'd, he'd hit me at the woo, 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 woo. And I'm like, dude, I'm not passing you the puck regardless, you know what I mean, whether you woo at me, anything, but it was... Uh, That's a woo back to the bench. Yeah, you? yeah, why don't you woo yourself back to sleep because you, you're not getting the biscuit off from me, you yeah, know what I mean, because I know the thing's just probably going to hit your stick and just, like... Get deflect into the crowd or, or whatever. Anyways, you know that's uh, that's an immediate look off when you're getting wooed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the yeah, the, the woos another another thing that I guess we can add to the beaver tail that uh, we're all set with. Call call me by my name and like I said, if you're gonna call for it, you better be able to be ready to make a play. But I think you know it get back it gets back to the communication piece. It's it's, it's huge on the ice and talking and, and things like that. Another thing I wanted to bring up and I saw an old picture of you. I think it was from the World Juniors. Is uh, you had the uh, saran wrap ankles going, you know what I mean? You had the, the ankle tape. Uh, that's a thing that I think, you know, back in the day, and we, you know, we talked to Brian Leach, who was a guy that obviously phenomenal skater, and I played with a couple guys that were really good skaters that did kind of tape their ankles and things like that. But I think we've learned now throughout, um, you know, as, as the game's evolved and skating's become, you know, it's something you rarely see anymore. And, uh, you you know you need to you need that ankle flex it helps with your knee bend and all that type of stuff so uh talk to you know what was your logic with the uh with the with the ankle tape well it was a thrill to have brian leach on the show and because he was an idol of mine i kind of emulated my game after him and obviously kind of like the equipment style uh you know he he taped his ankles pretty tight you Mm -hmm. know pretty much a cast so i would i started you know kind of doing it and it it gave me some ankle stability, but that that knee bend is what I would lose. I, yeah. I guess. I mean, probably affected your hips too. That's why you, <laughs> you you're like Derek Sanderson over here, <laughs> limping around. Yeah. No, but I uh, I do feel um, you know it was like 2004 was the lockout. I a skating coach uh, was like, "Why are you taping your ankles?" I'm like, "I don't know," you know. So because <laughs> it looks cool. Yeah. So she she made me um, take the tape off and. It took a little while because it felt a little more unstable, but unstable. But it was, uh, you know, more knee bend, more toe snap, and I actually felt better. You know, it was weird. Yeah, you know, like yeah. it, it was later on in my uh, kind of career, I guess. But at the end of it, uh, the 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 ankle tape uh, was more of you know try to emulate my idol. Yeah, and that was before, like, the clear tape days, too. Like, we, you know, these young kids listening, like, we didn't have clear tape growing no. up. It was, you had, you know, the, the cloth stuff. So that that's even thicker, you know. Yeah. I mean? By the time I got to, to high school and college, the, the clear was around, and that's what, where we came up, came up with the uh, saran wrap on the ankles because that's kind of what it looks like if you if you really tighten them up quick, you know. And you crank it around. Yeah, the, the thick white was my go-to yeah, in college. Yeah. Good stuff. The... Uh, Another thing that, and I've seen these, and I actually had to talk to a player on one of my teams a couple of years about a, a couple of years ago about was uh, little those. Have you seen those little skate weights? 
Just like around the ankles? Or? They put them, like, you almost put it through your laces of your skates, and it, mm. like, makes your skates heavier or whatever. And then when you go out to practice, uh, I'm sorry, when you, like, go to a game, now your feet, I guess, feel lighter. I just think it's a gimmicky thing. I think it's stupid, to be honest. Yeah, I know some guys that I played with had the ankle weights around their skates when they were walking around the dressing room yeah. um, prior to a game. But, you know, that's... It's a little gimmicky, but it also, you know, any edge that you can get upstairs, you know, like, you know, I don't know if it's going to necessarily make your feet quicker, but, um, yeah, I don't I, know. I felt like I permanently had, <laughs> had ankle weights on, so <laughs> maybe I was, that was, the, I was, I was trying the to reason. Shed, yeah, I was trying to shed things, you know, uh, <laughs> make, make the feet a little bit, make the boots a little bit lighter. That might, that might help my game, but. One thing I'd say to parents is, is stay away from those gimmicky little little toys. Obviously, if you're Yaramir Yager and you you got a weight vest on and all that, I mean, the guy's been playing in the NHL for 47 years. You know right. what I mean? That's a, <laughs> that's a different story of pro hockey, I should say. Another thing uh, I want to bring up, and I don't know if you've seen it, is, is and you see it a little bit with the outdoor games and stuff, and that's not kind of a fun thing, and it's cool, but the eye black, like kids putting on the war paint at, at the younger age groups, that drives me nuts. Yeah, that uh, I wouldn't uh, recommend it. It's, uh, I mean, the the glare of the um, indoor lights isn't dramatic enough to have it. On. I mean, I don't even know. I, I've never even actually wore eye black, so um, I don't. I figured you as a dirt dog when you were on the diamond. No, nah, I just squinted. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, so we just uh, as you know, as far as hockey and eye black, you know, it, the outdoor games is one thing, but I mean. Another gimmicky thing. We'll worry about making a tape-to-tape pass. Yeah, exactly. Worry about calling for the puck. Um, <laughs> one of the things, you know, again, and, and you just kind of said it, is, is you know, understanding, and we touched on this briefly, but understanding positions on the ice and, and you know, knowing your roles, knowing the, you know, if you're a defender, knowing what the four-checker is doing and things like that. Um, I think it's just, it, it's, it's a, you know, very important in these kids' development. Yeah, so w- one thing that I... Would like to talk about is a uh, a coach that I had in seventh and eighth grade, Vin Magno. He was coaching at Roxbury Latin, a prep school around here in the Boston area, and he uh, he was a real big influence on me as far as hockey development. Um, so they're teaching the forwards in practice uh, what four checks they're doing, whether it be a one two two, two one two, and he grabbed the D and grabbed me in particular and was just like, "Hey, listen to what we're trying to." teach them so that you understand when a team does that against you you have an idea of how you can break it you yeah. know whether using your partner a physical uh, reverse and make some you know have some separation using the middle of the ice all these little things that you know that was the first exposure i had to outthinking you know a four check and outthinking a player and multiple players so it's like there's you know exposure that you can do as a coach you know early on but my advice is, as D, you pay attention. Pay attention to what the coaches are trying to talk to the forwards about so then you can use it against uh, and, and for you, for you and, and your, your uh, defensive partner to be able to break those forechecks. And coming out of a zone clean is so important, right? So so now when a forecheck's coming on you, you, if it's, you have to pick up on that. You have to understand if a F1 is coming hard, trying to cut the net, you know, you can suck someone in. Like, there's different ways to do it, but just getting that mental kind of um, processing going at an early age is a very important key. And then certain kids will take to it a little bit more. But um, ultimately, Vin Magna was a really big influence on in my hockey development 
at a very impressionable age. And uh, I took those concepts all the way through, um, you know, from high school to college to pro. Yeah, that's good stuff. And I think that's one of the things, like you see some of the best um, penalty killers in the league are also really good offensive players, right, because they understand what, um, you know, the, the goals are of the power play and things like that. So I think understanding positions is, is, is huge. Um, you know, and as a coach, you know, you have to talk your players through that stuff because a lot of times you do different drills and different things like that, and maybe it's an angling drill or something, and they're like, what's actually the purpose of this drill? What are we trying to get out of it? And, you know, for, for you know, like like you said, that you want them to understand why they're doing it. Why are you taking this angle? Why are you, why is your stick in this type of position? It's, it's, it's very important stuff. And like you always talk about with the, you know, defensemen going back for pucks and things like that, you know, forwards they'll they'll, if they take some reps back there and they work at at at, you know breaking pucks up they'll understand how how hard it really is Mm -hmm. um breaking a puck out with some guy breathing down your neck too you know yeah and to your point about being an offensive player being a good penalty killer uh marty reasoner i played with at uh boston college and you know he's a first round pick to st louis and you know he just couldn't really break through to be that high-end offensive guy went to edmonton in a trade Mm -hmm. and um you know he was like his career was just in limbo at at one point and he made a a decision to focus in on being below the puck and playing the game the right way instead of cheating the offense and that took a big step for him um but he prolonged his career for another uh 14 years you know and that's just kind of self-evaluating understanding i want to be in the in this league what do i do have have to do to stay here you know worked on face-offs and um you know and then he became one of the best penalty killers in the league and you know that that's just finding your role and it's good advice like i always told him i'm like you got to talk to these guys when we're on the island like talk to these guys about what you know kind of your path and he's like nah i'm like all right i will yeah you know yeah. I'll, I'll talk about you yeah that's but awesome. yeah but that's just one thing like being a, a, a cerebral player you can play a defensive you know role if you choose to but it's really a choice you know and and sometimes the offensive guys have to cheat the game in some areas but um you know if you want to be a complete player and a responsible player you, you have to know what what areas to be in so. yeah no we talked to Grizzy about that and obviously brian Boyle's another one who's been a guest on the show he's done a, a, a great job adapting to that role and you think of guys you know jay pandolfo's of the world mm-hmm. john madden guys that were phenomenal defensive players right you think in the nhl they were never like you know huge huge goal scorers but they adapted their game and they they became that excellent you know selkie award-winning type of type of player which is you know it it, it just shows their total under, understanding of the game um one other thing i want to bring up and and this came up in a uh a little a, a group text i'm on but the vanity plates for hockey parents <laughs> and it started with a uh you know one 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 of my buddies was talking about a kid on his team that he was playing juniors and he showed up uh new hampshire Obviously, I went to UNH, and vanity plates are huge up there. Everybody's got like their nicknames and all that type of stuff. It's it's kind of hilarious, but the uh, you know the vanity plates with the so this kid's he showed up to like training camp or whatever for juniors. I think they were playing with like the Monarchs, and he had a uh, his vanity plate was I score, which like. <laughs> Talk about the the beans on him walking in the locker room the first day, you know. Was it a lowercase I or capital? I don't I don't know. I didn't get too into that, but I was thinking about yours. Like if you were a New Hampshire guy or something. Obviously, Mass, you don't see a ton of vanity plates, but you could have like Hobie or something like that. That'd be pretty sick. Yeah, that would go a long way. I, I mean, yeah. Uh, Who's this guy, Hobie? 
No, yeah, the vanity plates are kind of goofy in, in, in all aspects, I think. But uh, just to kind of uh, have it as like a hockey mom or, yeah. you know, uh, it's it's sniper. Yeah. You know, th- th- that would be no uh, – I mean, what are you sniping? I mean, you got, <laughs> you got these uh, – you got a men's league guy with, with sniper, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, top dog, top dog. Like, like bar down, all those different things. Sauce, sauce, you know, this kid, oh, he must have unbelievable, like, yeah. they're driving on the highway, they're like, oh, this guy must own a restaurant or something, he's got yeah, great sauce. sauce. Yeah, this is the sauce man, you know. sauce on his face. Oh, yeah, oh, that's good stuff. Um, well, we, we, we really didn't mention this off the top, but we, uh, we kind of got a big dog coming in here today, and, uh, you know, obviously we've had some great, great, great guests so far, but... We have Ryan Whitney that's going to be joining us after the break, which we uh, we are psyched about. Obviously, you know, Whit Dog was a, a great friend of mine, um, is a great friend of, of mine and Mott's. We grew up playing together, and, you know, we're, we're thrilled to have him here, that's for sure. Yeah, he's going to be a great guest. has uh, a lot to uh, kind of tell us about with his experiences from, from hockey to outside of hockey. So looking forward to that interview and uh, a little ragtime as well yeah we love the ragtime and he's kind of that guy you know he hit the hockey trifecta right he he got a scholarship to BU he was drafted he played in the NHL and now it's actually the quadfecta because he's kind of a uh, you know he's an entrepreneur he's got his pink Whitney he's got spitting chiclets so yeah really really good stuff so we are psyched to have him and he'll be uh, coming up after the break do you want to skate fast For 50 years, Laura Stam instructors have taught youth players to pros how to skate correctly, powerfully, and fast. Players who attend Laura Stam power skating programs learn how to skate fast by learning how to execute every maneuver in hockey. They become powerful, stable, efficient, and explosively fast skaters. If you can't wait for a clinic, join our subscription skills video service and we'll show you the skills taught at our clinics in an easy-to-use video format with training plans to guide your training. Register or subscribe now at laurastam.com. That's L-A-U-R-A-S-T-A-M-M dot com. You can learn to skate fast. All right, here we go. Uh, Our next guest in the rink shrinks is... is Ryan Whitney. Uh, this legend on and off the ice was the fifth overall pick in the 2002 NHL draft. He played in 481 NHL games and is now the co-host of the most popular hockey podcast on the planet. Welcome to the show, Wit Dog, Ryan Whitney. It's a pleasure to be here, guys. This has been a long time coming. I knew I was going to be a guest the minute this thing became a real podcast, when it became into existence. I said, I'll be on at some point. It's taken me, what am I, the 30th guest? <laughs> lucky number you 11. Asked, you guys asked me nine We Oh, no, I'm lucky number 11? Yeah, right, I'll lucky take that. 11. Double pennies. <laughs> You're like number one two times. Yeah, Sticks. twice. One squared. Sticks. Yeah. Sticks. I'll no. take it. Either way, hey, it's a pleasure we to be here. Pleasure and we wouldn't here. we wouldn't be here without you, so we thank you for that. Obviously, you know, we were lucky enough to to each be on Chicklets a couple times and, and you know, the rink shrink kinda took on a little bit of a of a character there and yes. You know, we uh we thank you for that, that's for sure. Yeah, Mots came on early in the game before Biz. We had an absolute day to ourselves. <laughs> and then uh you came on what was the first time you came on? Was it out west? I think the the first time was at the All-Star game with me and Keith. The West Coast Wagon Tour. And then it's when you started taking the letters, I was like, this is going to be great, you two together. So the rink shrink 
Chicklet Sandbagger. That'll be must-watch TV whenever that goes down, maybe this summer. Well, especially we got Old Man River over there. He just got a new hip. Yeah, dude, he's, he's got more be... turn in the backswing, he's telling me already. Oh, he's he's be... all about the wrist hinge usually. Ball's going everywhere sometimes. But this summer you had it dialed in. Yeah, I mean, a little more rotation. You know, just getting through, getting inside, attacking the ball from the inside. <laughs> we were talking about it earlier. I was going to, for Christmas, I was going to get Mott's one of those QB things, like on the NHL Network, the... Uh, the little exercise thing that the old people yes, are doing yes. on the... Uh, He's doing one right now, yeah, actually. Yeah, nice of you to give it to him. <laughs> Got to keep loose. I get the shake weights ready to go. No, Mott's is the guy who buys the thing that you sit on the toilet and you can putt, the little <laughs> mini putt thing. He's like, oh, working on the stroke. Yeah, you got to get ready for the sandbag. We, that's official. Let's oh, yeah, yeah that, that'll come. That'll, we, we all know that'll be that'll be a thing. But Well, let's, uh, let's dial it in here a bit. And obviously, um, you know... We'd like to bring it back to, to your youth, right? And, and, you know, how did you fall in love with the game? When did, when did you start skating and all that stuff? Um, when did I start skating? I, I don't know the exact age. I'm going to guess three or four. Uh, my mom took me, and then you could go a little early before the learn to skate, kind of what I'm doing with Ryder now, where you take, take them on the ice on your own, and they can't even stand up. But at least it's something before learn to skate when you're off the ice. I don't remember that part of hockey for me. I remember, like, right when I started playing South Shore Seahawks, what's up? Big yellow helmet. Oh, my God, that yellow bucket. Oh, it was a nightmare. My dad buying me that thing. I don't know what he was thinking, Big Dan. But from the minute I remember the game of hockey, I was just obsessed. This all, And I think you guys were the same way. We've talked about this for years now. And looking back on my, my childhood, all it was was hockey. I don't... I don't really remember much. I have a horrible memory. But in terms of, like, when I'm younger, it was all hockey-related. Like, times that I got to do this. I, I think of ages by different tournaments or the teams I was on. and So the beginning's really hard to think back to. Um, but I never knew I sucked. I remember that. And I did. I mean, when I was – what do you? What was I – what are you in, like, fourth grade? Eight? Seven, eight, yeah. nine. Early in yeah. mites. And I can tell you exactly when you weren't very good. What, like ten? So we were probably, I think, like second year mites, so you're probably nine years old. We played Milton. And, uh, yeah, you were just tall, lanky, like rangy, left wing. He had left the yellow, <laughs> yellow bucket. And... Uh, High, half high tech, half K. Yeah, 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 the, the combo, combo, the ladder. worst thing yeah, in the world. Yeah, it was, it was like, awful. It was all. Then when you came to the Kings, like because we saw the, the you know the coaches did see some potential there. Then you went with the yellow bucket. Remember the Koopa? You could you could change the sides. Oh yeah, oh, so you had the white blue, colors, the blue, blue on the sides. <laughs> so we're like this kid. It, he was a hot mess. You know what I mean? His, Big his, ears. Oh, yeah. Who is this guy? But he. But but obviously you know the the coaches we saw they 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 saw. Um, you know, great potential in you and stuff like that. And obviously, you, you always had that passion for the game, which is you oh, know, second yeah. to none. That's what we all had, I think. And, and I mean, my dad loved the game. And I think, like like any kid, you know, you're watching what your what your dad loves. And I'd go skate with him. Like, you'd go skate with Buddy. And it was just, like, something that became such a big part of my life. That's all I thought about. I remember being young. I was like, I don't care. I got hockey, 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 hockey. And I'll figure out, never ever thought about what I was going to do when I grew up. Never once. I was like, oh, I'm going to play hockey. Like, it wasn't even, I've said this before, it's like, there was never a doubt in my mind, which is so ridiculous looking back because the actual odds of it happening is so out of this world. But it's it's kind of like a outlook you you almost have to have, I think. Younger kids, like, they're not even thinking about anything else, and it's... It, it's not looked at as hard work by them. It's just their passion. They don't even, they're, they're working their, their absolute tail off. I don't know if we can say bad things in this podcast. You know what I mean. 
But Tales to them, it's right? fun. It's just one. fun. You know what I'm saying? We never even like thought of it as work. We were just loving it. No, we loved it. And obviously, you and I, you know, we were teammates from yeah. that age. And you know, the I remember going to watch like you. Your situate youth basketball games, you know what I mean? Like just you yes. know whatever, like oh, the God, sleepovers and the friendships and all that t- type of bonds that we created. It was the it, it was the greatest, you know what I mean? And never mind like thinking about getting a job when you were older. It was, no, like, I was like what? what? I went to college and I had like seven different majors. I was like, what do you mean? I'm just gonna play hockey. I thought <laughs> it was better to be a cop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember telling my parents I was gonna play for the Boston Bruins. Uh, and then go to Harvard to be a carpenter. There you go. <laughs> yeah. That's a usual path for a lot of people. They go to Har- Harvard to become big-time carpenters. Yeah. So, so, by the way, you, you got that Bruins game in all about the alumni you told us. It's that one game, <laughs> yeah. I'm an alumni forever. One shift, you know, one game, get to play in the Bruins alumni golf outing. Yeah, and didn't, didn't you, like, celebrate down the bench like you had scored? Yeah, I hopped over the bench, quick play <laughs> offside at the blue line, went down like I scored. Julian's like, Mott's, what are you doing? Why is Mott celebrating? We just yanked him off the <laughs> being out there for seven seconds. <laughs> I'm a Bruin forever now. That's what I'm celebrating, Claude. Yeah. So, you know, uh, Buddy Yandel was the one that switched me to D. Oh, really? So, yeah, so I was a big a, left winger. As a coach, like a young uh, player, like who were some of the influences? Buddy was one of them. Oh, oh, yeah. Buddy was like, he, he, we, were, we spent so much time together, Brian and I, that and my dad always told me, like, this guy knows so much about hockey. Like, you got to listen to this guy. Trust me. This is who you want to be listening to. And he coached us, and he taught us not just, like, the little things in the game, but, like, how to compete. Like, he was, you know, he was like, you got to be a prick out there. Like, his son's the dirtiest hockey player of all time, 12-year-old, this guy right here, slashing, <laughs> breaking wrists. And I think that, like, just knowing so it's much a different about age, different yeah, age. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Podcast host now. <laughs> Buddy just knew the ins and outs of hockey and what it took to be successful, so I always looked up to him. And then he, he went to my dad. He's like, I think Ryan would have a way better chance of – Ryan can play a, lo- a lot longer in this game, maybe play in college if you switch him to D. I don't think he can do it as a forward, which is – I don't think it's easy to say, but it's also just him looking out for me. And my dad said, this is what Buddy thinks. I'm like, I'll do it. Huh. You know, and you just trust people growing up that, that have meant a lot to, to, like, doing what you love to do. Because we talk a lot about um – Knowing both positions and kind of the uh, forward, the game's all around you. On the back end, it's in front of you. So that I mean, at an early age, going you know up front to back, and then you probably could just have more time. You know, w- oh, w- yeah. w- work on the uh, the skating. I remember being. Now I, I still think this is partly why I wasn't great defensively. I don't know. You go back as a forward, you just want to play offense. It was like, hey, you could still play offense from the back. Yeah. And I never really concentrated much on D. Whatever. That's besides the point. But in terms of getting back there and loving the game, it was like not only not only do you get to see everything in front of you, but you're playing more. Yeah. I remember thinking like, oh my god, I'm out on the ice way more, way more often. So that was great. And then offensively, because you're a forward. And you were able to like create plays, not down low, but off the rush. You would see the plays develop as a D-man. I always did. It was like, all right, well, if I'm playing left wing, that guy's coming on the right. He's going to look to the left wing. All of a sudden, there's that space for the fourth man, the D-man. And I loved it. So, Bri was also a defenseman, too. So, I went back and I was playing with him. And it just was like very seamless. Not seamless, I'll say, but like I never once was pissed off. Yeah. Maybe I realized subconsciously that forward, I wasn't very – I wasn't – Getting things done, but you, I, I loved it. I loved getting to D. Did you beaver tail a lot? What's beaver tail? <laughs> oh no, I couldn't. He did it so much. He was. <laughs> no, I was calling at the four it. rinks in Marlboro. Every rink would hear his his like <laughs> whacking on it. By the way, that's who the Providence Bruins are playing this year. 
Oh, really? Yeah, crazy, huh? That is crazy. That, that is, is crazy. crazy. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I digress from the beaver tails. I, I tried. I, I was loud on the ice. I tried not to do that. I'm sure there's many times I did. <laughs> yeah, the loud D-man who won't shut up. Yeah, we talked about that a little little earlier in the show is, like, beaver tail. And it's like, call, communicate and call for the puck. Like, stop oh, you slapping your to. stick on the ice. You know what I mean? Yeah. It drives us nuts. You know what I mean? But we, you and I, I mean, we played together, and it was, it was awesome. Like, I mean, obviously... It's like uh, you know we were you, pound teams, pound teams. It was, how how was your Kings team, Mott? We had some good players. So were you guys dominant? Nah. Were there other good teams that like you maybe were losing to in Metro? Yeah, we we ended up losing to some, uh, St. Moritz was good back then. Okay. St. Moritz, yeah, back in the day. Wow, Dude. they were a doormat for us. <laughs> and then uh, I ended up going to the Junior Night. Oh, you went to Junior Terriers? Yeah, with Ken Hodge, Sr. So Brennan Hodge was on the team. Mike Souza, Nikki Gillis. And that's like Bob 13. So that was a wagon. Yeah, that's that a was good a wagon. Team. Yeah. yeah. We, uh, the Gill? The yeah. Gills. The Gills out in San Fran. The Gills out on social media. Yeah, he's, he's out there he's more in, than Cullinan. He's in... <laughs> Impossible. Gill doesn't play the hits. The Gill is the Gill is making his announcing his presence with authority. What a guy! Beautician. Yeah. Awesome. Beautician. Awesome. He is the best. We spent uh, a lot of Fourth of Julys in Winthrop together. You know, so it was some, from some, Avon to Winthrop, yeah. just moving up in the world. Some good times had there. It was the best. I mean, I look back at like the Metro days, and you're playing. You're playing games, and like very rarely, it felt like we had like big games. You know, because we, we were us a lot of the Islanders, us the Islanders Sean, and the Flames, Sean, Sean Collins, and always and the tough, Flames. always the tough Flames to go grinded. play the picks. You right. Go yep. out Western Mass, you know, you're getting kids that are bigger and working their tail off. Uh, I think that tails you I think that day. the time, the times that we spent though at the tournaments and stuff is what I remember most. Well, we used to. I mean, I, I like you said, your father, Big Dan, was like a huge influence and just such a positive guy on on me and as a player. And and he was use the a, wall team game, use the wall team the game. There's no I in team. You know what I mean? <laughs> he had all these little sayings. And uh, what was his? What was the the one thing he hated was that? Uh, what, what's the negative term? I'm, I'm I'm drawing a mind blank. Which one? Not um, not the no I in team. Uh, Oh God! He disliked, it'll, it'll, a, he disliked a lot in the game that I could do, so it's hard to think no. about. <laughs> it's something he—he's just a such a positive oh, yeah. guy, such a positive guy, and and he was so you know just a great guy. But we would we shared those car rides, like you know what I mean. We would go. It would be, um, you know, Big Dan picking up picking up my father and 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 myself, and we'd be driving to Montreal or Toronto or wherever it was for that tournament, and go away for the weekends. And you know, the fathers would fill up the tub with with with. Fresh Budweisers, and we'd, we'd be, be rooming around. together. Yeah, like, we'd... See you in the morning, guys. Don't leave this room. We're like, oh, what are they doing? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but so many, so many good memories, and you know, obviously, all capped off by our, uh, you know, nineteen ninety seven. People, I've never champion. brought it up. I know. I've never brought it up. <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> we want it, Mots. Oh, yeah. cool. <laughs> Mots asked me, me for a Mots asked me for a bio for a little camp. We're doing like the first thing I wrote was nineteen ninety seven Pee Wee World Champs. <laughs> I knew I knew it reached a level where I maybe should try to cool off bringing it up when I was celebrating the Team USA World Junior Gold the other night, and somebody ripped rope beneath one of the videos I put. Like, what's this loser ever won? And someone was wanted like the nineteen ninety seven Quebec Pee Wee World Championship. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's awesome. That's that was awesome. the cap off. It was the cap off. But yeah, so many, so many good memories. And, and that's we, when I was watching Mots. 
That's when that that was like the year we won Quebec, and then the year before I would go to Thayer games. This guy was my idol. Yeah, <laughs> but first cool. you had a first stop, and that was actually one I, I had written down. I'll never forget. And you know, we talk about multi-sport athletes and things like that. So the Wit Dog went to <laughs> Noble. The Wit Dog went to Nobles, right? And he had to play great school, by the way. And what was that seventh grade? So I was just like a scrub at, at Pierce Middle School in Milton. I'd never even seen. No, it was eighth scrubs. grade. Eighth grade, right, 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 right. So we're picking him up to like go. To a hockey tournament, right? So, so Big Dan picks you know my father and I up, and we like go to Ryan's football game, and then we're leaving from from there to go wherever. So he's like over in the crowd talking to me, and he's like, you know, got some goofy number. Like he was, he was a good <laughs> athlete, like, definitely a very good athlete. But football wasn't his thing, right? No, and he's so like, skinny. He goes, they're like, Whitney, get in. And he goes running over to the field, like half his helmet padding was missing, and it was it, dude, it was unbelievable. <laughs> well. You, you were you were like good football player. I got to Nobles and you had to play the fall sport. I'd never played football. I was like, all right, whatever, I'll play. I thought it'd be like you know what you watch on TV. You think it's cool. I got to one practice. You hit your hand on a helmet. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this is the worst sport I've ever been a part of. So I was terrible. I was tight end. Never played defensive end. Played a little bit. Just probably complained about the, the how cold the practices were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you were, you know, you you you're obviously a very good athlete, and I can attest to that. But you played multiple sports, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Played everything. I mean, I'm not going to say I played everything like organized, but it was at one point like soccer. Played baseball until high school, uh, halfway through high school. Um, never really played football till seventh grade, but it was more just like outside. I was saying the other day. I'm sure you guys have this conversation all the time, but. I just, like, would be in our neighborhood, and, and there would be kids everywhere running around, and then the neighborhood I live in now is similar to the one I grew up in, yep. and there's never kids outside. I I know that the, the age differences in the neighborhood's, you know, kind of odd where there's some young family, some older, but still, I don't know, kids don't really play outside, so when I say I play every sport, it was just being outside every day, and like, all right, we're playing, we're playing wiffle ball, we're playing soccer. There was no lacrosse then. I kind of wish there was. There wasn't Milton for you. I know you played. Yeah, we. I played like Babe Ruth age, not till I was yeah, like thirteen. Yeah, so. didn't have it, and Duxbury's always been real good at that sport. I think. Yeah, Avon didn't have it. Avon didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Avon had it. You had it. With, you played with cigarettes in your mouth. Uh, uh, no, so I yeah, I played every sport. I loved it. Swam a lot. You know, I'm a good swimmer. Very oh, like good swimmer. Yeah? Oh yeah, I love swimming. pool basketball. Oh, you pool basketball. Nasty. I would play one on three. I was so. Tall and goofy, I would just dunk on my buddies, yeah. tackling each other. I, I just was always active. That's, that's what I remember, as, as you guys were. Yeah, I mean, as far as getting outside and and yeah, doing some uh, some fun stuff. So missing a USA festival to go on a fishing trip. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How old were you? And, and that's kind of a good message, though. Um, as far as you can miss some tournaments yep. uh, and still make you know, teams and be drafted and move on in your career. Yeah, and and when I talk about earlier how I never thought about, like, what job I would have when I grew up, it was just all hockey, hockey. Well, in, in a way that that's so good, it can also, in a sense, blind you a little bit. So that year, um, it was... 16s because select 15 it starts or it did yep, yep festival started at 15 best players in the country at 15 go play 16 17 as well so 15 was awesome because we went it was the first time you're playing against guys from all over the country and then the next year is like even bigger because then colleges are really in the mix and 16 years old you know you these guys are you're looking to, for a deal you turn into good players too mm-hmm. and you're like oh my god team mass we're pretty good let's see what we got in this tournament and 
my parents said, or it was my dad, he said, listen, um, my dad, your grampy, rest in peace, uh, Paul Whitney, he wants to take, you know, his three oldest uh, nephew, oops, nephews, his grandkids, yeah. on a fishing trip to Alaska. And I was like, oh, you know, that sounds cool. He's like, it's during the select 16s. And I said, no, I'm like, I remember thinking like, there's no way I'm not, I, I can't go. I have that. And he, my dad was into my, into my hockey. He was never like somebody who ever like considered I would play in the NHL. Like it was all, you have to be good at school. He did not treat me like anything special because of hockey, but he was into it as I got better and he knew how much I loved it. So I thought even for him, he'd be like, oh dad, no, that's the select 16s. He's like, that's the week it's happening. And, and this is your grandfather and your cousins, Paul and Mike and, you're going. I remember being so upset. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is such a big deal. You should have seen me. Who was I going to be my D partner? <laughs> yeah. You know, Who was I going to sauce it around with on the back end? You yeah. Know? And and pe- people were probably like, what's he doing? You know, you got to go to this thing. But, like, looking back, you are so blinded at how everything's so important and everything's so life or death to your career as a hockey player. You can't miss the select 16 to get to the NHL. Like that's seriously how you think when you're at a young age. You don't know anything, and I think my dad knew that his dad wouldn't be around forever. Uh, that's obvious, and it was just such an awesome trip that I look back on now, and like the fact that I didn't want to go on it. I don't really blame myself because that's how you were at that age. But I'm so happy I had a father who and a grandfather who looked ahead and way past sports and and, and athletics in terms of like family time and 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 being close with people you love as opposed to just always looking towards your games and your practices. That's, that's a great story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's something you're never, you're never going to, fam- uh, you're never going to forget about either. Is that, that, that oh, time no. you got to spend with your grandfather either. That's, that's good. How'd stuff. you guys do that tournament? I just remember, I think, I think you we, made it to the, I think we medal round or yeah, something. Yeah. And I hit, um, I, I, had one of the most vicious slashes in that tournament. I think it was uh, Steven Gionta. I like. I think I 100% broke his wrist, and it was out of frustration in the last game. It was. It was bad. I think it was. Yeah, it wasn't good. But yeah, we missed you. We missed you. That's Appreciate for sure. That. I Appreciate definitely. That's all you. I wanted to hear. Yeah, I missed you. And I missed hanging out in the dorms and all that type of stuff. And those those were the memories. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you ultimately. You know, you did, you got your scholarship, um, you know, you ended up choosing BU. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, I, I actually bring it back a little bit. You went, you left Nobles, went to Thayer, mm-hmm. um, obviously because your idol was Mott's. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that, and then we can get into the, the, the college process and everything. Um, yeah, I, I love Nobles, like I said, and, um, but that time I, w- I was living in Situate, and Situate to Dedham's a hike, especially at 6.30, a.m., whatever it was, but there was a, a girl, um, Allison Hickey, she was a senior at Noble. She lived in Situate. She drove me, so it was fine. Well, the next year runs a cult comes around. I hadn't even thought about this. My parents like, you're not going to Nobles anymore. You're going to Thayer. I'm like, what? You're academically like, ineligible. Who's drive? Yeah, you, yeah. We got that last report card from Nobles. <laughs> I'm they paying, never told me that. I'm That's paying real... fifty grand for this. <laughs> so uh, where was I? So sh- so they're like, listen, we're not. Dad's working. I'm not driving. We, I have two younger brothers. I'm not driving you Citrus to Dedham every day. And Thayer also being closer. Like, I think hockey was really good. Their team was sick that year. My freshman year, I was lucky to make that team. You were – was that your first year out? Yeah. Yeah. So I missed you by one year. I know. Um, so Mott's the legend at Thayer, one of the greatest to ever play there. And I remember my freshman year, you came back and skated with us. So I made that team. I think that senior class had six guys get – 
full D1 rides. Orpik to BC, Jack Baker, BU, Brad Parsons was sick. He went to Princeton. Um, uh, Brad Mills went to Merrimack, D-Man. Uh, Mike Ayers, stud goalie at UNH. Who am I forgetting? It might be somebody else. But either way, it was like I get on this team. I was 14, like, like a 6'3", maybe 160. <laughs> and so, like, these guys, like, people say they're bullying now. Yeah, these guys were awesome, but they let me have it. I was getting absolutely dominant. Orpik, I remember he used to torture me. I remember I was walking to the Jack Foley put the lineup of the team, whoever made the team that year, 97-98. Uh, he said, it's on. It's in the gym, like near the athletic director's office. So I'm going over there at noon. I'm walking over there at noon, and Orpik's like 200 yards away from me. He's like, Whitney! Like look, he's like you didn't make it, oh. <laughs> but I made it. It's just, but I got, I, I mean, I look back like I loved being on that team because these guys were so good. And then you came back at Christmas and skated, and that was that was awesome because you were my guy. I was like, this guy's dominating college hockey and doing laps at the end. That was, I mean, those those times were the the greatest because ISL. I don't think it's. Prep hockey is obviously still strong, but it's just different. There's just, there wasn't U. Nobody went to the USHL then. No, it was no. so rare. And credit to that league for growing agree, and becoming yeah. what they have. But it was different around here. And and to be on a team that good when I was 14, turning 15 was was I think that helped me a ton. I remember doing the passing one on one with you. Yeah, I think I stopped you. I'm like, holy <laughs> shit, I stopped them. That that those moments give you like serious confidence, though, when you're playing against somebody older than you that you've watched, and you're playing big time college hockey, and you can like somewhat keep up with them. Yeah, you know, I'm sure it happened for you at there when guys came back. Yeah, Rona came back and skated with us. And did he? Yeah, and he ran you over. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, you weren't stopping him <laughs> yeah, on a one on one. Put an elbow through your mouth. Yeah, it gave me less confidence. Yeah. So the the fair times. I mean, I actually remember. Uh, a moment. It's weird, like moments that stick with you. That year, we made the New Englands. We were one of the top seeds. Then it was just eight teams made it, and we were really good. And Lawrence, I think we were the second seed. And Lawrence Academy had Tony Vos, Dolanar. They were they were Charlie Corey, that coach, that nut. Mm, yep. And they came in and they beat us one nothing in Hingham. It was packed with. It was their, a playoff game. It, right? it was the I, New England. It was yeah, the yeah, first I round. Being there. Yep, and yep. and um. Like a that was a like that's big time high school hockey. I look back at that. Like there's oh, yeah. there's probably twenty guys in that game played D one hockey and some in the NHL. And I remember at the end of that game it was my freshman year. We were down a goal with like a minute left, and I was on the ice with the goalie pulled. And I actually remember thinking like, holy shit, like this is what am I doing out here? Like not only that, but yeah, not only that, and a little nervous, but more like wow, like. I'm pretty fired up. I'm on the ice right now. Like, yeah. This is like a big moment as a freshman. So little things like that add up. But that hockey was awesome. The next year, the next two years, we sophomore year we were pretty solid. Played with Jared Porter. You know him well, the new Mets GM. Yep. And uh, he was my D partner. And then my junior year before I went out to Ann Arbor, we struggled. We weren't that good. But that was as ISL and prep were really not, not nearing a 10, but it was probably like four or five years from then that it was really kind of took a dip, I thought. Yeah, yeah, no, that was unbelievable hockey, and obviously, you know, that at that time, that's when I went up to Cushing and stuff like that, and, and yep. you went, you made that decision your senior year to go out to the to the under eighteen team, which was, yeah, I know a unique experience for you and 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 all that stuff. Yeah, that was great, and I think that that program beginning now it's in Plymouth, but it was in Ann Arbor. Yep, you're looking at like twenty years now, roughly. It's it's you're really starting to see, and you even have before this year. The last like five six years, you're really starting to see like I think their end goal and 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 dream when they started that program. It's like 
that thing is that's working. I mean, you're getting you're getting the best players in a country that's enormous, and not only is it the best players in the country. Well, it used to be Minnesota, Michigan, you know, Massachusetts. Now it's like Florida and California, all these states. You're like, so the the country's improving at such a rapid pace, and being able to get the best players at 16, 17. Now, granted, there's kids who get overlooked and and end up being as good as anyone else that don't get invited to that program, but I think it happens less now. I think the scouting's got that much better, and I think kids maybe don't go um, right away when they're asked, but they have the opportunity to. And for me, it was like I, I actually got asked to go out there my sophomore year, which was a year you know, in, uh, early, play with the 82s and the 81s. I, I wasn't at all ready. I understood that. My dad's like, no chance. And then the next year, I was like, all right, I'll go now when all the other 83 birthdates are going for that first year. You used to play in the North American League. And he, he didn't let me go. He's like, you're not ready. And then I remember being like, what the f-? You know, I was, I was pissed off. I was like, I got to play against the best players. He's like, dominate this level first. He's like, you got to dominate You got to dominate a level before you're ready to move up. I, and I've always kind of agreed with that. You got to really just be at a level where everyone's like, holy shit, he's better than everyone else. And then it's time to go. And my junior year there, I did that. Um, I was really good, had a good year. And then I went. So it sucked because all those guys had been together that one year, and I came in as the new guy. I think it was me and maybe one or two others. But still, once I got there, I played 60 games, and I was definitely more ready for my freshman year at BU than I would have been playing bbnn or or rivers and just pounding them right you know exactly and you you know obviously your game at that point you had matured you would become you know more of a you know physically stronger and everything and i was growing into my body yeah it was great advice from from big dan once again you know what i mean he 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 saw and i think a lot of times nowadays it's so important to hear it's like Parents want to chase it, and they want to say, "Oh, my kid needs to play up," and and my parent, you know, my my kid needs to play. He's he's doing pretty well on this team, but you know, if he plays on the A team or the elite team or whatever it's called, like you know, do you think it'll be better for his development? And I think, boom, like you just hit the nail on the head. Like, dominate this level first. When you're scoring three, four goals a game, or you know, making plays and snapping around, no problem. Then then come talk to me. And it's such a it's such a marathon. It's not a sprint at all. It's the most true like cliche you can say about like development as any athlete um so i mean hockey's one thing where you just cannot try to rush through it and not only scoring three four goals a game like if you're at a level and you're dominating it can be parents of the team watching every night they'll just know it's like this kid is like he's not necessarily scoring three goals a game but every time he has the puck he's like creating and it's out of his zone it's like all right you're now showing like you're really, really good and maybe ready to take a step. And I just got an updated text from Big Dan Whitney that because I, I, what I was thinking of was that you know that kiss model or whatever they call it, like oh, keep, it, yeah, keep yeah. it simple, stupid. He yeah, hated right? that it said he stupid. hated that it said stupid, right? So it was um, keep it simple, solid, and smart. He used it, he added he added an S to it, which ah. was he sends me texts. I mean, look I'm at not the text he, he just sends me texts. He sends me texts. Ten letters. Look at how long. So it you're is. supposed to figure out or the he, acronym. Yeah, I'm like, is that what it is? Acronym. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know what all those mean together. Just send me the text. What it is. He, he was like shit. the uh, original, like, you know, TT whatever. Talk to you later type. Of, like he, he oh, said yeah, those yeah. little acronyms. TT YL one four threes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just man of positivity. Awesome, but yeah. So keep it simple, solid, and smart. That was that's that's what I was looking for. I was drawing a crazy mind blank, but I had to go to the uh, the big Dan text. You know? Nice. I I know, buddy. So well, what was what was your dad like when you had a game where 
you maybe struggled a little bit. Were you ever get? Was he ever giving it to you in the car? No, no, my, my, so- no. My dad never. Uh, I mean, I was happy when he was able to make it. Yeah, and yeah. Then, uh, he didn't play hockey, and he just uh, was just solid. Just yeah, didn't say anything. Wow, yeah. that's interesting. Awesome. Mabel, on the other hand, was was would be upset if I, you know, took a penalty with my stick. She's like, I don't care if you do something, but just don't use your stick. Don't break that stick. <laughs> so like, I, I would you know get into a little you know wrestling match or something like that. But she's like, as long as you don't use your stick, Michael. That's awesome. Awesome. <laughs> well, you went uh, like obviously we talked about BU quickly, but were there any you know was. I, I kind of remember this, but like Major Junior, you kind of talked about it a little bit, and then was it yeah. BCBU? Obviously, Big Dan was always a big BU guy. Um, yeah, uh, Major Junior was never a thing, and I think it, then it turned to Quebec, and it was it was different. At yep. one point, when I was at an age when it was like talked about, and it was the OHL. Paul Mara, I remember, went to the OHL mm, from yep. Belmont Hill. Yep, great guy, and um, so that was never really a thing. And then part of the reason I remember that the my dad would say one year at national development program. He's like, you're killing your body. He's like major junior. You you are. Yeah. You're playing a lot of games. You're getting ready for pro hockey, but you're also like, it's not 35 games and working out in the gym a lot. Like college. Yeah, training with Mike yeah, Boyle so, every day. Yeah. So that was part of it. And major junior, that's a big thing. I think, you know, I'm a college guy, but uh, what did you ask that I just got away from? No, How was did, it, uh, I guess it's, you know, was it, was it always BU? Or? Oh yeah. BUBC. So, um, we went to BU games growing up. Yeah, I love. We used BU. to we used to go to Wally B all the time. Oh, it, it was great. Easy ride from Milton back roads. Yep. So yeah. Big um, Dan loves the back oh, roads. Oh yeah, you too. can't sit on a highway. No chance. He'll drive three hours on a back road. I was supposed to sit in thirty minutes in traffic. I'm not not kidding you. <laughs> oh yeah, that's why him and my father got along. And your father driving with his knees with like a T Anthony's box of pizza on his lap, like <laughs> and he'd be a cutting slice. it while driving. Yeah, yeah. Eat that. Eat that. Drive home from BU on these. He uh. He would bring me to BU games. BU was really good. We would go together. And I didn't know the main reason was that because he went to Holy Cross. Him and my mother went to Holy Cross. And at the time, Holy Cross and BC were like huge rivals. I think BC's athletic program obviously went to that next level. But at a moment in time, their football teams were. So they hated BC. My dad hated BC. And my and my grandfather couldn't stand BC. So I was a BU guy. And then also let alone that BU sold beer. Very That's a game point. changer. Game changer. That's a game changer. It was the one, t- one, one school in town you could go get a beer and watch the game. So I think that kind of always going to the games, it was just my goal to play for BU. It's, it's weird. I, I think that it's different now. Um, but BC, they were struggling when we were yeah. t- 10 to f- 14, right? I mean, it wasn't like the powerhouse teams they have now at BC. So I think that definitely changed it. Yeah, I remember going to those. I mean, they had some great players back at BC, I think, like before Mott's era. Oh, like, yeah, but I'm saying like, like the like, Ian Morans of the world and those type of guys, but they were never – there was that transition, right, with um, with Milbury and, and Cedar, Cedar Chuck, Chuck and yeah. all that type of stuff. And Conti was dead then. Yeah. It was dead, and you'd go to BU smaller, and it's like, you know, the ceiling. It was just like, I don't know. That Sex, was that was sec- a note. Section 8. Yeah, that was in Section Sas- 8. Sasquatch. Sasquatch. Yeah. <laughs> Sax- Iron Man. Iron Man, Sasquatch. Nah, 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 he's retired. Nah, nah, nah. That band was unreal. Now you look back, he's like 40 years old, ripping his shirt off at BU games. you got to respect that. Yeah. It's like Mott's on a golf course. <laughs> just <laughs> Only in Connecticut when golf band here. <laughs> <laughs> just to get the game going, you know. Just get, yeah, we needed a couple of those trips. Yeah. 
absolutely. The um the but obviously so you you went on played at BU and obviously talk about you know the legendary Jack Parker and and that that yeah. staff and you did three years there. Obviously you you scored a huge goal for us after uh, was that our freshman year? Uh, no 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 that was my freshman year. My sophomore, year. my sophomore year was tough. Year. Yeah, you, you tough battled some year. injuries too. Yeah, I got injured. Um, but freshman year I came in. Parker's obviously a legend and. I remember being petrified of him, like everyone was, and and he was a good coach. Like he was, he he had been coaching for so long that he knew so much about the game. There was times I think that we would get a little frustrated that the systems would stay the same, like the BU power play, D to D to D to D to D, you know, yep. from the blue line, but dot to dot. But still, like he had coached so many great players and knew so much about hockey and like about the le- hockey East and college hockey. I know that sounds weird, but it was like such a thrill to get to play for him. And you'd have different, he was, oh my God, this guy was so, um, what's the word when you have to do the same thing every time? OCD? No, not OCD. Like he was, like you have a, before the game, you Repetitive. have a routine. Oh, routine, this guy yeah. had routines before the games, the day before games. And it was so, it was such a fun time in life to be a freshman there. We were really good. Uh, yeah, Chris yeah. Diamond, Mike Pandolfo were the captains, and Freddie Meyer, and team was stacked. That was actually would have been DiPietro's junior year, I think, but he had turned pro, or maybe sophomore year. I don't remember exactly how that worked, but we had Sean Fields was really good. Fields, he came kind of out of nowhere. Yeah, he, he did. Good. He did, and so that team we lost to Maine, I believe, to go to the Final Four in Worcester after getting the bye. And that was back when they did the buys. So you know, the next year you're losing. Def- oh, Pat Alfier was on the the senior on the team. That that team was stacked. Jackie Baker, Jack and, Baker, yeah. and um, so then the next year we were really good again. And Freddie was our captain, and he Freddie was awesome in college. Awesome. I mean, he was played in the NHL for a reason. He was he was so good. He would kill guys. Hip, Hip checks. checks. He was dirty. He was hard to play against. So he was an awesome leader. And that year we lost in the final four to UNH. The game to go to the final four to UNH, so it was, t- and that was the year Ayers. I think Ayers had, I think he shot us out three the last three games of the year or something. Yeah, Ayers, we, he was on fire. It was but yeah. Mike Ayers obviously is an assistant at BC now. He was our goalie. He was he was awesome, awesome, unbelievable that year. Yeah, he was a machine. And then my junior year, we we struggled. Uh, we actually we barely got into the hockey's playoffs as the eighth seed, and we beat BC, the one seed, in the first round, which at least got us to the Garden for the final four of hockey's, which we would have had to win to get into the NCAA's. And um, who did we lose to? I think Maine. We lost to Maine, and remember Preston Ryan on Maine? Oh. <laughs> That guy was nasty. He was an animal. He was like animal. He was a little older, but not like crazy older. Yeah, he was like for Maine years. He was like he was like forty six. <laughs> he wasn't twenty seven like uh, some Maine guys. But like Walshy, yeah, Walshy. He but um, college hockey was those the best memories. Yeah. I mean the the nights where you you have like the Friday Friday night game on the road, Saturday at home crowd going the night and then after the game it's like parker be like this is saturday night boys we had one saturday night a week so you know if you played on 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 sunday and tuesday somehow and you didn't play till friday it was like tuesday night you'd be like it's saturday night you can go out tonight so you'd come in and say like that was back when we'd have teas would fly down pizzas so you'd come in usually those first two years you you won and there'd be tons of cheese pizzas. You're crushing pizzas and shakes. And then Parker's like, it's Saturday night, boys. You're like, oh, my Woo! God. Like if you, I would take let, let you break both of my arms to go back in time to that right now and live that again. Know what I know now. Uh, but uh, 
I yeah, remember I being a, a senior at Cushing, and Whit oh was a freshman, God. and I'd be in there every weekend. Kids would be like, what did you do this weekend? And I'd be like, nothing really. Like, <laughs> I remember we... <laughs> Midnight Madness, remember? Oh my! Oh, God. Midnight Madness is like fifteen of us in the car. It was like I remember. I remember we went. He was a he was a senior, so a bunch of my buddies were my age, Brian. But they were they had stayed back, right. so they were still in high school. My freshman year, so they're coming or got, in. Or got kept back. Or got kept back. <laughs> they're coming in all the time, and then I don't remember who you were with, but Bry's behind me with another one of our buddies, and I'm go. I know I'm getting into this place. I'm like. Guys, you got IDs? Like I'm, 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 in, I'm, I'm going in here. If you guys get in or not, and the, the Bry's like, yeah, I got ID. We got IDs. So the kid says to Bry, he's like, hey, if if one of us doesn't get in, like we gotta. <laughs> Bry, Bry goes in. He's standing next to you. Then the kid, the guy, the guy busts him. The door. The bouncer's like, nope. So the kid's like, Bry, let's go. I can't get in. He's like, what? <laughs> and the door shuts, and we go in and have a night. And the kid's outside. Oh, was it Oki? But I don't remember. But it was just like the memories of of that is college is the best. I tell everyone, college is so fun. If you could play college hockey now, Arizona State? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I would have taken a trip out there. Oh, at least you, know? oh, at least you get your official visit. Yeah, sure. They're gonna lead the league in official visits. <laughs> I have a so one of my friends has a bet with somebody else uh, that they're gonna win the national title in the next five years. They have a new rink coming, so yeah. that's just what we go along with with saying the NTDP and the gr- growing <laughs> of hockey. It's this game you're getting everyone from everywhere now. I love it. It was great for us that it wasn't like this when we were playing, though. I know. Oh man. <laughs> Man, so Wick going fifth overall uh, in the draft. Can you talk to us about kind of that experience? Get you know going through that process, and you know maybe some of the pressure afterwards. If you if you did have any internal pressure or external, and uh, um, just some of the the kind of difficulties with with that. Uh, yeah, it was crazy experience. You know, leading up to the draft, when you start like realizing you could go pretty high, it's, say it's a year, year and a half before, if not two. When you start really like looking at who else could go high, and I, I look back at the way I was, oh, I regret it so much. I think it's really helped me with my career after hockey, and that is like reading comments. And I was like, dude, I was on like message boards, like I was a nutcase, and I was seeing who else was prospects, and just such wasted energy that I and I want, I just wanted it so bad. I wanted to be a high pick, and like I was just not a great, not in a great spot, like mentally like in certain times of my career growing up where it's like so competitive with everyone else instead of just worrying about your own game so I was all I was really into it and then I did have a good year I don't think I was amazing my freshman year but I was solid I played a lot I probably had 20 points in 40 games and 20, I think it was 20, I think, 21 points 21. You, were, you were you were very good I was good, I, I, good and, I, and I had a lot of potential I think I was definitely a guy that was being drafted for four four years down the line mm-hmm. so the season came, and we had a good team, like I said, and I had a good year, and then my season, and I went to World Juniors. I remember being pissed. I made that team. It was in Czech Republic, so I'll 82s and 83s, and I didn't really play much. I was pissed, and I thought, this is going to affect the draft. This is going to affect the draft, like my mental state. So stupid. And I remember like talking to my agent, and he said, you'll be all right. You'll be fine. Like This isn't the end of the world that you didn't play 20 minutes a game in the World Juniors. So the summer comes, and... The interviews come, and you're getting ready for the draft, and you're hearing, like, what teams may pick you, where teams are slotted that maybe need a defenseman, things like that. And still didn't know much and started hearing that, like, the first three picks were set. It was, at the time, it was Bollmeister for sure. 
Rick Nash, Kari Letton, and the goalie. And draft day comes. So I know that, like, after those three, I could go fourth. I think I'll be gone by sixth or seventh. Like, at that point, you know, and that's so exciting. I remember right. being nervous, excited. And so the draft happened, and then fourth was Pitkin into Philly. And then Neil Shea came up and said, uh, he was like, we were sitting in the stands in Toronto, and he kind of came to like the bottom. He's like, You're next, you're next, they're going to take you. Because I think Neil did so much in terms of like uh, putting his neck on the line and, and saying that they should pick me. I always thankful to him for that. And so that moment came. I don't even really remember much. Like, I don't remember hugging my parents, I don't remember anything. I remember getting on the stage, Gary Bettman says, uh, welcome to the NHL, Ryan. Like, so he says to everyone, which is like, I remember that. Don't remember the pictures. Don't remember any of the interviews after. <laughs> remember the night. That was a night in Toronto. <laughs> so after that, um, I remember going back to BU and I was doing the summer classes so you could stay on campus and work out and talk to my dad. You say this is Sunday or Monday. He's like, what a weekend. Congrats. Like, so proud of you. Great phone call. I remember him saying, like, the, it means nothing, though. Like, at the end, he's like, the work starts now. It doesn't, what does that mean? You get drafted fifth overall, great, but it doesn't matter if you don't continue to improve. Now is a great, great thing to hear. And then that summer, I had an awesome summer. That so that's June the draft. I I came into my sophomore year feeling amazing. I felt as good as ever. Um, and then we're playing. We do the six a.m. workouts two days a week in the fall, and we're, we'd play handball. It's actually fun. Like one day we could be handball, the other one would be a hard workout. But we're out there and everyone's buzzing around, and I just jumped up and landed on this kid's ankle, the, the one of the goalies, and just boom, done. And so it was one of those like worst case scenario sprains where you'd rather just snap the thing in half. But it was like grade three, whatever it is, sprain. I'm like, oh my god, I'd never really been injured. Yeah, I'd never really dealt with anything before. And so I'm rehabbing, I'm rehabbing, and the team's doing well, and I'm trying to come back. And at that point, like, you're playing in practice with an ankle. Anyone who's done an ankle knows you just keep, what is the word? You like just, triggering it. Yeah, yeah you just keep it, tweaking it. Tweaking it. Tweaking it. Stay hot. And, and so you're we're, we're so like right around the world. Yeah, exactly. Just not right that, on. that counts, though. Yeah, it's close enough. So I tweak it, and... <laughs> Every single day it would happen. I'm like, I can't come back and play. And then I came back too early, and I was struggling. And I was like, obviously, like, you could tell I wasn't skating well. And then the whole year was off. I remember I played against Northeastern. I actually had a goal and an assist, but it wasn't. I got, like, beat wide a couple times. I tweaked it once, and Neil Shea called me after. And now, granted, he'd, just dra- he'd been the guy who just drafted me. Now he's watching me, like, play horrific. And he's like, are you hurt? <laughs> I was like, yeah, kind of. He's like, dude, you're not even like, sk-. he's like, you got, you can't play if you're hurt. It was a pretty good conversation. I remember being like, I just scored. And um, <laughs> like, like, that's all that matters. And so that year, finally, I ended up getting healthy and feeling good at the end of the year. And the end of the year ends, we were going to the NCAAs anyways, but we're hockey's championship game. The garden's packed, you know. 10,000 UNH fans, and uh, Tyson Toplitsky throws one on net, and I just tipped it shelf. Whip dog with the snipe for UNH. So that was the end of an awful sophomore year. Actually, funny enough, you bring that up, uh, Ryan Malone, Bugsy, my good buddy, he sent me a picture that someone had sent him two days ago. It said Hobie Hopefuls for before that season at Sports Illustrated, and him and I were listed. He was a senior at St. Cloud. Or junior, I don't know. And we and ended up playing them. I, th- I don't know. If we he played was them in Worcester in the national. Oh, really? Yeah, we played against. I remember him. 
I think he's a monster. That must have been my freshman. Yeah, that, w- that was the year because that yep. would have been my freshman year. Yep. And he crushed me in the corner <laughs> like, "Welcome to college hockey, bitch." Yeah. So I was like, oh, who, who no. won it that year? My soft. You know what? I'm horrible. I at think memory. Minnesota did. Peter like Sanya. Yeah, Peter. Um, Peter Sanya won. Because Minnesota beat us. No, the, Minnesota. That was my freshman year. Oh, I thought you we lost. Hobie. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. He won the Hobie. He wants to know other yeah. things. Yeah. <laughs> you should know that. You're the Who one with the vanity that, uh, license plate of Hobie. <laughs> Dude, you're the one going to the Zoom uh, uh, award presentation this year. <laughs> Seriously. You're, you're, presenting. You're, you're presenting sponsor. <laughs> The uh, the ring shrinks. Exactly. Kobe has a little trademark ring shrinks on it. Yeah. Who won it? So that sophomore year was no, trash. Dude, but that was the, that was after my draft. I don't know. I the call the NCAA champions. Uh, well, Minnesota, Minnesota, Minnesota that, was my yeah, freshman. No, my that freshman was, was Minnesota. They win two in a row. Yeah. yeah, because they beat us in the finals. Yep. We we lost in the finals. Yep. My freshman year and junior year, Denver beat Maine in the Garden. Yes, Junior yes. Lassard. Uh Yeah, uh, Ryan Caldwell. Awesome yeah, defenseman on, on, on Denver. Mm-hmm. Denver's turn. Yeah, they were a wagon. Yeah, that was good stuff. So many memories of college, man. Really, really uh, good stuff. And then obviously, let's you know, let's let's chat about your NHL career. Obviously, you go in, and it was kind of. I remember you. I remember <laughs> kind of a funny story. So Wit Dog calls me right, and uh, like, dude, I never had two pennies to rub together. Like I, my job at UNH, I paid. I got paid like twenty bucks a day. Me and uh, Brian Foley used to water the AstroTurf field, right? Like, dude, before field hockey practice, it was a great gig. We would make it was hilarious, hilarious. We'd like put it out, but for whatever reason, like the field hockey coach liked the the, the field wet and whatever. We took the money, obviously. It's like Bill Murray and Caddyshack. Yeah. People people would be getting like going to lunch at this this little um, restaurant. Yeah, I forget the name of it, but the, uh, the they'd be like. What are these lunatics doing? Like they're water. That's not grass. And we're like, no, no, no. If you water enough, it grows, and this and that. And they're like looking at us like these guys are out of their minds. So, but Wit signs right. So I'm sitting at UNH, and he's like, he's like, hey, he's like, I just signed with Pittsburgh. Blah blah blah. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. He's like, I got like a million dollar signing bonus. He's like, you know, I got a check last week for like, you know how you get your scholarship checks? At least at UNH, you used to get a scholarship <laughs> yeah. check, right? You, you'd get a scholarship check and like you would, because we lived off campus, so you would get like off housing. So he got like some check from school. So say it was like 500 bucks. I'm like, well, if you're not doing anything with the 500, like. <laughs> Chuck me your BU yeah. uh, Chuck me scholarship your check. Yeah, yeah. Sign that over. Kid. Sign that over if you, if you can. I'm uh, I'm pretty broke up here in Durham and like those these quarter I'm drafts. I'm watering turf. Yeah, yeah. I'm watering turf and these, these quarter drafts aren't really working out too well. You know what I mean? I, I seem to be drinking way too many of them. Yeah, like how was my bill 10 bucks? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> 10 cent pitchers. But but then you you know obviously you, you know you sign with Pittsburgh and you play in the American League right yeah. away yeah right away well, was I that left. the lockout year no I well I after my junior oh you went down had a great run in the playoffs yes, that's right yes which was actually yep. great that ended up being such a help for me um, but I remember you know postseason college you bender two mm-hmm. week bender where you don't have to do anything we we were going out every night and then we started like skating a little bit just messing around and then. Pittsburgh caller like, will sign you and you'll go play in the playoffs. I was like, what? Yeah. I haven't been doing a thing. But I practiced for like five days, and then they played the first game of the playoffs against Bridgeport, lost, put me in. And we went to the College Cup Finals, lost. Great we got experience. swept by Milwaukee. But that was like to th- be thrown right into that. And I was playing a good amount, probably 20 minutes, playing power play. The team was good. It was just great for Pittsburgh to see me 
at a high level, right? Their team wasn't in the playoffs, so they're wa- everyone in that organization's watching Wilkes Bear. We went on a run, had some great players on that team. Darren Hayda, he was a stud, I think. Milwaukee, he, they won it that year. Yeah, right? Milwaukee Hayda won it. They had guys. a D man. Was it Curtis Murphy? Yeah. Oh, he was like an apple orchard. Oh, the dude, just legit lived on the PP. Yeah. Every shot through and picked yeah. up points like a machine. Exactly. Um, Scotty Upshaw was on that team. I remember there was a bunch of guys. Um, was the Hercus Circus on that one? Yep. Yeah. He was still Tony getting Sir- it done yeah, too. Hercus. Who is that? Tony Herkus, one of the highest scoring players in college hockey history in North Dakota. 115 points or something? Yeah. Oh, and he was, and he played a long time pro, too. He was smart. really good. Yeah. Kind of like David Heimovitz player, but more skill, maybe? Like both, yeah. like, no, they weren't, like, overly fast, no. but so smart. Smart, yeah. Really smart. Remember how nasty Heimo was Thursday Night League? <laughs> the best. <laughs> Those Thursday night league games, the Habs. Oh, the Habs. We finally won that thing and ripped it up. That was a great time. It was that was old school hockey, like, and that's something that 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 has changed so much, like, in these days. And obviously, we're getting off track, but we played Thursday nights, and it was like, it was the it, everybody played in the league. It was the everybody. best college and pro hockey players living in Boston. In I remember summer. like my father playing in the league, like into his forties, and it would be like you'd go down there at six o'clock for the first game, and I'd be would be rolling in, and he'd be like, "Don't tell your mother we got home at two in the morning." You know what I mean? Like it was, but <laughs> yeah. it was just everybody sitting around telling war stories. The t- first two teams got the grill going, yep. and there was obviously coolers packed, and it was like. That was like a Thursday night out. Mott's as as, as Mott started maturing, and he was nice. obviously like playing. He was a knight. We used to battle with the, with them, and we were like the young guys. We, yeah. we were, and but we had Hymo and uh, Justin Harney. Harney was awesome. Sick toe drag. Yep, yep. He was playing in Europe a lot at, at that time, and we had some some older veteran guys. But that was it was. The first two games, those guys were in charge of the cookout. Then there'd be a you know a seven o'clock game and then an eight o'clock game or whatever. You never it was. wanted the late game though. No, no you like, didn't want you... the West Coast game because <laughs> the, the 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 grill was done. The grill was, the grill was now up. these guys are eating like whatever like veggie wraps and all these they crazy have meals like, brought to them. Yeah, after meals the game. and protein shakes, protein yep. shakes and all that stuff. And this is like, dear kid, time. grab me a Budweiser, you know. <laughs> Yeah, so it was Newman and the Braves. Newman Club. Yeah, Newman Club. Newman the Club. Yeah. Pody was just, oh, my God. That was toe drag. Toe drag and everyone. I remember that was, like, the first time I was like, beer's so good when you come off the ice. <laughs> Why is it? It tastes so amazing cold after skating. I was like, this is insane. Who needs a water? Like, yeah, like this actually tastes like heaven. Yeah. But oh, that was awesome. good times. Yeah. So, what were we going into? My pro career. Yeah, we were getting. We, we were gonna start talking about your pro career, but we just stopped yeah, talking about. There's not much. We're to talking talk. about men's league. <laughs> <laughs> it all Way ends more up fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's where we all end up anyway. Yeah, it ends up there. So, um, yeah. So I after that first that next year after the run in the AHL. It was the lockout year, which also helped me a ton because there was no pressure of being in the NHL. If I hadn't made the team, which I didn't even make the team out of camp the next year, so I wouldn't have made it that year, I probably would have been like, oh, i got to get to the NHL, i got to get to the NHL. But instead, it was just the best players you know. It was the best players, like, I felt like under 23, you know, pretty yeah. much, besides the superstars. But those everyone else was down there. Even Spezza, he was down there. and yeah, bingo. Every team had five guys the next year on their NHL club. Yeah. That's I mean, what Bergeron it was. was down in Boston. Bergeron. He was obviously young. And, but yep. Philly, who was had a oh. wagon. Philly, had, they, Philly, had, Philly, they won it that year. They ended up getting uh, Carter, Carter Richards. Richards. <laughs> that was a joke. Like, we, we played them all year Where in that division. Where were you division. at that time, Mott? Uh, Worcester. 
Oh, you were a shark? No, it was the uh, that was the blue ice cats. cats. Yeah, ice yeah. cats. But they were the sharks team. No, it was St. Louis. Louis, right? Oh my god, I'm f- outdated. Yeah, so we uh, we didn't have as many you know NHL guys coming down because so there were so many vets on St. Louis yep. at the time. Yeah, so we were a little thin, and um, you know, so like Lowell was good. They had Stahl and yep. um, yes. a bunch of guys, and like Kobusu, I think was there. Uh, yep, I'm I remember Commodore Watson. was there. I think. Commodore, yeah. Yeah. So we were we were a little thin. We didn't make the playoffs, but uh, Providence was really good. You guys are really good. Philly, Hershey, yeah. Hershey, yep. Hershey, Hershey, Hershey wasn't a wagon yet. No, they weren't a wagon, but they had some some yeah, like they had they, they had like um, they had guys that were just pains to play against. I remember because we played that Wilkesbury Hershey was like that was the rivalry, I guess. Yeah, well, they're right down the street. Yeah, basically. you know the chocolate town. Yeah, and you pro- actually smell chocolate in that town yeah. for anyone. Who's My first pro game was 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 in Hershey. Really? They left like a, a Hershey bar on your pillow. <laughs> it was. I mean, it was. I'm like, oh, I made it. That was it. your pregame. Yeah, meal. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Whit, you, you didn't send me a BU card with the with the dough on it. So I, <laughs> that was all I was eating. Oh. Leave that in the bathroom after. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, but you obviously, I mean, you you sell yourself short. You were a, a, a very good player, and obviously, you battled some injuries, and you were in, yeah. you know, Pittsburgh with Sid when you did get the call up, and and you guys kind of turned around, and and I mean, there was a period in time where I mean, God, I used to watch every one of your games, but when you guys went to the playoffs and on that run where you guys lost to to Detroit, and like you would you would. I, I mean, I don't. It's hard to say anybody dominates, but you were a very, very impactful player. At yeah, that for time. a couple of years there, um, I, I was I was playing awesome. I had the one really good year. The next year was kind of I was hurt, but I still played solid. That's when we went to the Cup Finals. Had a great playoff that year. So my, my regular season was really inconsistent, but my playoff was awesome. And then injuries kind of really started piling up. I wasn't the same player. Uh, went to Anaheim like. Halfway through that year from Pittsburgh, they end up going to the winning, winning the Stanley Cup. That was tough, but I think that after I was in Anaheim for a, full, it was like one full season, but it was two different years. If you know what I mean, because I got mm-hmm. dealt the next deadline and went to Edmonton, and actually got to Edmonton. Was playing pretty well, and the Very team well. wasn't good. But that that the rest of the year after the deadline, I played well. The next season, I was doing great, and then I had like the injury that really ended it, which was my right ankle, and it was just one of those things where. It was like depressing, as you know, you can't do what your mind's t- your body can't do what your mind's telling you to do anymore. And like to under to know that while also being paid a lot and living in Canada, it was. I look back, it was like I was definitely battling. Like I don't want to say depression at times, but it's like when your whole life is kind of hockey, obviously, and you're just seeing it kind of slowly. It wasn't like a quick ending. It was right. more just like death by a thousand paper cuts. Where you're just like, oh my god, like I can't, I can't do this anymore. And you're trying everything. I remember trying like 400 skates, insoles, surgeries. It was just like, all right. And then you look back at it now, and I mean, what else was I supposed to do? The attitude part was was tough because there was times I was so down that you look back and I didn't approach it the right way. But I mean, I was young. I, w- you know, you're not married. I think if you're going through that with somebody else, maybe it helps. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know, but. Yeah, somebody to lean on that you can kind of tell. Because obviously yeah. you, you, you're close with your teammates and you can talk to them about it, but not like in that depth where they know like you're really oh, no. emotional, right? No, and pro hockey, like nobody wants to hear You got your own thing. Like mm-hmm. it's such a hard thing to deal with playing, being a professional athlete. You have to be so ultra focused and as good of a teammate as you want to be. There's times you don't want to be like hearing, 
you're, you don't even want to be putting that on guys like right. your your negative energy or your negative thoughts and what you can do and it was tough it was tough so looking back like the way things ended for me in the NHL and AHL like I was like bitter about it but now I look at it, it's like I'm so lucky I I signed a contract before I was hurt I mean like thank yeah. God for that like if I hadn't been a free agent all of a sudden like that deal's not nearly that size so like grateful for that yeah, good time um yeah you could say i robbed them i don't care <laughs> money's in my bank account i will take it yeah and then the other thing is like you, you kind of appreciate like what it took to get there and and, and w- what you did by getting to the highest level and like yeah i didn't want to stand the cup but like my dream came true you know, I played in the nhl and so like looking back no matter how hard it was when it was ending i'm still so grateful for everything that happened yeah. it's like I actually remember thinking about, like, post-hockey and been very lucky there, obviously. But I remember my dad came to Edmonton, and this was in, you know, the midst of, like, I was really struggling, couldn't very skate very well, um, but nothing else. You, you know, I just kind of knew it was over. And and he was like, oh, you just seem so upset. Like, I just remember you, you're always so happy, you were smiling, like, growing up, you loved the game. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't love it anymore. It's, like, so hard to say. It's like I love the guys, but like, how are you supposed to love something that you just every time you go, it's so hard to do, and you can't do what you want, and it's like you're dealing with pain while also dealing with being uncomfortable. It's like it sounds like you're kind of complaining about everything, but in a sense, your whole life's kind of crumbling a little bit. Like, how are you going to enjoy it? So looking back now, and you know how happy I am, and you know I got a healthy family. It's like I understand why I was upset at the time, but my memories of the NHL are still amazing. Oh yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And we had an opportunity to play together. I was going to say you guys the had best, a couple of rodeos, right? Well, we got sh- I got shriveled for you, and then because I got I got signed with Florida, got sent down finally, put me on waivers, and then I'm like, all right, at least I'm with Mots. They brought him up when they sent me down. No, <laughs> and I was a midseason black ace. I didn't play at all, so I was just. It was kind of me. a dream scenario for you last year. <laughs> like instead of like playing in the minors, he's just on. An NHL roster doesn't really have to play. Yeah, organizing, like, uh, golf pools and... and <laughs> <laughs> like, pay mods for the football pool. Yeah, intangibles. But then we, I got sent down in yeah. the last, I don't know, month and a half or something, whatever it was, and it was a, a pleasure to be able to play with a friend and, and, and wit and, like, just... We had some good times. Oh, yeah. we had a blast. And when Ryan came, yeah. I got a video of... Um, you know, Mott's son walking out on the ice with them. Great picture. That's your Twitter picture, and that was cool because we, in, in all, and how, and how well I knew you, we'd never played together, yeah. and and so that that month and a half was a blast. And we would we would just after every game immediately meet up for dinner. I remember loving that year. Oh, and San Antonio awesome. was nice. I was playing golf every day. Yeah, he went the to quarry. the Steve Stricker no hinge. <laughs> <laughs> you need to break break the swing. I have videos of my swing. I would go to a range lit up at night in San Antonio when we yeah. were there, and I was looking at my swing. I'm like, oh, my God, it's terrible. Yeah, but you went so back that was to the, the That was the yeah. path. Yeah. Get, you get can't get the, that too much wrist hinge. You don't know where the club head is, Moss. I went keep to it the, all straight. Keep it tight. Keep we, it tight. We had a, a quick little uh, cup of coffee together, too. So my when I my senior oh my UNH, it was, this, was, this was pretty fun. We... So my senior year, I went to Lowell, played like six or seven games, whatever it was. And then one of the games was against Wilkes-Barre, and I played pretty good. So Lowell wasn't making the, the American League playoffs, but Wilkes-Barre was. So they called and were like, 
hey, do you want to come down for for the playoffs? And I'm like, oh, yeah, great, whatever. Wit's obviously up in the NHL at the time. But it ended up, it was like, it was like a Boston reunion down there. It was like you ended up coming down. Yeah, because they sent I didn't, down. I didn't end up playing any games, but it was like me and him living in a hotel, like in different rooms and like same type of – like he's the most generous person there is. Like, um, And he's like, I didn't have a car. I didn't have anything. Like he's like, I didn't have a – I don't think I had a debit card. So he's like, just put – he's like, yeah, if he like buys anything at the at the store, just put it on my card. And like I'll never forget at that hotel. So I would – I was obviously healthy scratch. They was would, it the Woodlands? No, it was like the residence in. Yeah, one. it was it Right. But they would roll out a keg before the games. Yes, yes. They would roll out a keg. So I'd like They'd sit down, the there, and down have, there have like a couple pops and then like walk over to the rink or like I'd drop with wit off before. It was it was ridiculous. That I, was also the But the, we had a blast. We like, won the first round game seven against Bridgeport. Yeah. And we yeah. lost to Hershey, I believe. Yes. And and so he was there and I remember that was the playoff. I'd just played in the NHL and had a good rookie year and I came back down, but I'd started the year on that team. In Wilkesbury, and I came back down, and I was bringing McDonald's pancakes into the room for breakfast every morning. Just you know those, like, oh, yeah. those are great fluffy pancakes oh, yeah. at McDonald's. The, the hotcakes, hotcakes, yeah. and like a sausage or not a sausage, one of those. Um, what are they? The potatoes? Oh, those things are great. The hash brown. Oh, the hash brown. And I'm like so looking healthy. back now. I was like. Playoff game morning, I'm eating McDonald's in the locker room. Like, what, what the times have changed. What would that be looked at? We're now? talking like we played. And I came from the NHL. Ago. I wasn't even like a Coast guy. I was eating McDonald's. That's that was awesome. But yeah, we had we had a we had a good little. It was like ended up being a little month or so probably. Yeah, it, down. Was. it was. It was a blast. We had we had some fun. Um, but I, you know, we we have to bring up and you know, your social media. Like you were kind of the original guy. You had like your. Um, your boost mobile or T-Mobile uh, sidekick going, like, flipping it up, and he'd be checking, like, Twitter and all that no, type Twitter of stuff. No, Twitter wasn't around. Whatever yeah. it was, like, I, I don't even... But he I've was, always had the good phone, like, when yeah, the yeah. iPhone well, you came out... the only out, one that could afford it. Yeah, exactly. When the iPhone came out, I brought my brother Sean new skates to go wait in, like, the eight-hour line at the Derby Street and hang them to get me the, the, the first iPhone. <laughs> so, uh, exit, at one point, I had 36 the sidekick. Now? I had the... Yeah, why'd they change the exits? I had the sidekick... I, I mean, social media, I wasn't – I got on Twitter, I think, in 2010, 2011. And at the time, it was – I remember, like, it was it was weird. It was, it was nothing, but it was also, like – it wasn't like it is now where it's the meanest place in the world. Then it was more you'd get people coming at you, like, if you didn't play good. But you'd also get people and you'd respond to people, like, replying to your tweets. It was just different. Yeah. It was so small. and And so then, like, when Biz got it, Biz Nasty 1.0. Yeah, that's yeah. when it was like, oh my god. Yeah, because he was like saying things you'd you'd get like kicked out of the league for now on his Twitter. <laughs> and I remember being like, wow, this is like crazy. Like you can you can just say whatever you want. Like, it's your own platform, right? And I think getting into it and just like dropping the occasional one liner. I didn't. I never thought it would lead to like a podcast in the future, though. I know. I know. Well, that's obviously. I mean. You did. You, you you got into you know a little bit of social media stuff. I remember when you came back and you retired. Like you were on TV. Like it might have been Comcast or whatever. You did a couple things. Yeah, with, with Felger. With Felger, some post game. But you always you you Sweating were very my balls off. You were very confident. I, I remember seeing those pictures. Uh, you were very confident behind the mic, and you you do a, a great job. And obviously, you went to the NHL Network and, and did a really good job and gained experience. I think you did some stuff with TSN. So was that kind of always like a. a 
a little bit of a career path, or did you, sort you just of. stumble into it? I think I kind of stumbled into it. Where I remember asking Kevin Weeks when I was playing in Edmonton, and he would do the Hockey Night in Canada West Coast game, and I was like, "How'd you get into it?" He's like, "Oh, he told me his story." And then uh, after I did Comcast the one year. TSN the next year, I don't know if that mattered at all, but they said, hey, I think the way I did interviews in Edmonton where they're like, oh, this guy's like somewhat well-spoken. Right. And, he, you know, maybe he'd be a guy that would get into it. So they asked me to do it, and I just said, yeah, I'll do it. I was not thinking like after hockey or anything. Uh, I just wanted to play golf after hockey. Yeah. And yeah. so I was like, I don't know. I don't need to do anything. But, yeah, I'll try this. And then I was pretty good at it. I didn't, I didn't love it because you're at the studio so early, and then, like – I was like, I don't know, man. Like, you're grinding. I understand it's why a, I'm doing. It's do- definitely yeah, a grind. Oh right? yeah, I was like, I'm do. I need to. I want to do something after. I don't necessarily need to, but I want to because, like, what else are you gonna do? You gotta stay busy. So you gotta stay busy, and and then NHL Network brought me in for the same type thing when I retired. Like, go on for ten minutes with the people hosting the show, and they'll kind of ask you some things while also talking about. They picked Pittsburgh, obviously, because they knew I knew Pittsburgh. So I was talking about them, and they said the same thing. If you want to start coming in and doing shows, I said, that's great. Um, I'll drive up there. They were so, Actually, Catherine Tappan helped me a ton. She put a good word uh, good word in for me with the NHL Network people. and So I started going there, and that was that was great because I was really staying involved with like the league, yeah. whereas as the podcast was beginning, it helped me to know what was going on. Right. right? If I didn't know anything in terms of like current league happenings, it would have been a little foolish. I thought you did a great job on the network. Thank you. I yeah, appreciate I it. I appreciate it. I mean, it's it's cool. When there's good games that night mm. and goals, it's it was awesome. It was the nights when, like, everything's one nothing, and you're just like, oh, man, we have, like, 30 minutes on this topic. Yeah. That game was so boring. But it's not easy. No. This guy dumped yeah. it in awesome oh, tonight. No, no, Retrievable no. Retrievable dump. Look at this. Like, what, what are your three takeaways from that 2 nothing Columbus-San Jose game? I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> I, did, I was on my phone. Oh, I Pardon? Even, I didn't even know they played. <laughs> no, uh, but that was great. And then um, as the podcast began and I realized I can kind of just do that and, and that's way better for me and the show, I, I, I said thank you so much to you guys. I actually still have like an open-ended contract where if I want to go in and do some dates if I was in New York, so definitely could could do that again. Who knows? But it's more fun being able to just say what you want as opposed to yeah. just having to – Kind of abide by it. Is that how? Rules. Like, how did the chiclet stuff? Because, like, when 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 you, I remember obviously. I mean, we talk whatever every day, but the I didn't even know what a podcast was. No, like, I remember. Did I. I, I remember like having to pull it up on like. I mean, I probably still had dial up internet at the time. You, you know had a I mean? wax style? Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> would be chirping each other like yeah. Again, I had no clue, and he's like, "Yeah, oh, I'm starting this podcast," but like, I didn't either. I really didn't. I. I Bree, my wife, was like, you should start a podcast. Because I remember saying, like, I don't know. I was, I was talking. At the time, I was still friends with Biz, but he was still playing. Biz was playing in Manchester. Right. And so he would. I remember when him, they had days him off, coming down on a couple weekends. Yeah, he would come down. We'd go to dinner, hang out. And so, like, it was funny, like, catching up with him and just doing what we do now. And then, like, she, my wife knew about podcasts. Like, start a podcast. So then I sent out the tweet. And and the the rest was kind of history, but I didn't know what it was. I remember people were like, "Where do you find it?" I was like, "Well, there's a podcast app you have to download on the phone." But it was already on the phone. Like nobody, like yeah. older people are like, "What are you talking about?" I can't find it on the radio dial. It was, it was early in the podcast day, and and little did I know, like it was actually that early because like 
now is the time everyone knows about podcasts. Like we weren't the only ones. We're we're technologically illiterate, right. but we weren't alone in not knowing what a podcast was then. And now you look at it, it's like it's genius. You don't. You, it, it's you, awesome. It's, it's it's incredible to be able to go on and say what you want and do what you want while also like. I mean, granted, there's many times that people have bosses and and things you can't say and can't do, but for the most part. You're kind of on your own, and people can anyone can start a podcast, and all of a sudden, if it's successful and people like it, you have a job. It's like you don't you don't really need anyone to really get into one and start one, which and makes you, a huge and difference. And you guys at the time, like that was pre Bostel, right? So you just you and you and yeah, Ra, me and Ra did it, and he had the ability to post a blog on it where he oh right because he was he working was, he, at, was a, he, yeah, he was a yeah he was a blogger but he was I mean he was he was working for free he wasn't getting paid he just did it and did it for a long time and he he could at least post the blog but we weren't under their umbrella I have no clue how many episodes we did I want to say 20 and then like talk to Dave he's like oh we want to bring you guys on and under the Barstool umbrella which was huge and then I don't know 30 40 episodes later we added biz I could be getting the the numbers wrong but the first few we did, I remember telling you and some other buddies, like, I'm doing a podcast, and they were like, what, what are you going to talk about? And I was like, I have no, I don't even know if anyone's going to listen to this. But looking back, I'm so happy I felt that way, and I wasn't even, like, like thinking confidence-wise, like, oh, what if people don't listen? I was like, I don't care. Maybe nobody will listen, but I'm going to do it. I right? got that, some friends. A couple guys will tune in. Yeah, and I was like, that's and that's like what you have to be like in this business. Like, you can't give a shit. You can't care at all what people think because anyone who's out there chirping like at different content that they don't like or like how much it sucks, like, dude, you go do one. Try it. Try it. Give it a shot. It's not that easy. People say it all the time. They're like, oh yeah, dude, you party. It's unreal. Your bar stool. It's, you're just so lucky. I'm like, dude, give it a shot. It's not that easy. That's yeah. all I say. Because uh, at some point, your stories run out, and you better be able to like speak on different topics. But still, the ability to just do what you want and and really kind of for anyone start a pod is pretty sick nowadays. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. No, you uh, you've definitely. I mean, you, the the content, and you guys have done a great job, and obviously adding biz and and yeah, you know, I love it's awesome. And you, you know, you added obviously getting the NHL interviews and stuff, and and you know. Telling funny stories and it's it's great. It's great. Yeah, even we interviewed McKinnon, and um, it was last night. So you know, oh, breaking news! Break news! Nathan, Nathan McKinnon. No, he came on before though when we were with yep, Crosby. Yep. So he and he had a blast doing it. Like after I could tell, he really liked doing it. And he said some things that he'd been working with a sports psychologist because he'd been having real confidence issues. That he, he's like, I've never told anyone that before, but I felt comfortable. And then last night we're talking. That was the first time. Last night we're chatting, and he says. Um, I he's on the podcast. He's like, I hate doing media. I hate doing regular media, but this type of stuff's great. It was like the ultimate, like um, compliment. compliment. Yeah, compliment in a sense that that all guys are just like they let their guard down a bit. I think having Biz and I having played, same with you two, it does matter a little bit in terms of guys relaxing. And after that, if you can get somebody to open up and just talk like a normal person, that's what fans of of players want to hear the most. Is like. Oh wait, this guy's just like a normal guy, you know. Yeah. And like when when he's doing podcasts, he sounds so much more relaxed as opposed to buttoned up and giving the official answers to the media. We played well. I dumped it in well in the third, and yeah. good win. For team the boys. game, we yeah, win. Yeah. Team win. Twenty the miles, bill. twenty smiles. Everyone ropes, everyone rides. <laughs> <laughs> the Belichick school, exactly. What I, I, that I guess one of the questions I, I did have about the podcast stuff, like, has there been any challenges with it? You know what I mean. Obviously, getting it going, it's it, it's never easy, right? But yeah, have you ever getting any... it going wasn't a challenge. I, yeah. I, I 
we, we were so lucky mm-hmm. in terms of how everything worked. And I, we were, I would just go once a week, and I was like, oh, there's plenty to talk about. I remember I remember seeing you pulling up to R.A.'s house while I was yeah, grinding pulling through, up to grinding through house. a detail and stuff. Yeah, like, I was going to his house. People yeah, say, I was, people I came say, in and sat yeah, on that's because you wouldn't allow, yeah, you wouldn't allow him <laughs> to your house. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, one time we recorded a whole episode. It wasn't recording. I was like, oh, looking back at the beginning story. days. Yeah, on the couch. Like, you and McAvoy are sitting on the couch. Like, like Ari's got his socks off. Yeah. But, um, picking it, his, picking his jam. Yeah, He's exactly. like, shh. <laughs> Oh, all the time, creeping up all the time. Like we'd be like, "Oh, we gotta start that over." But it was so funny. It was Wayne's World. (laughs) Um, Wayne's World, really? It was. And so the challenges probably came. Biz came on and and was exactly what we needed tenfold. I mean, he like really monetized it. He really put realized what work needed to go in and what we needed to do to get to a next level. He was he's brilliant with that. It's nuts. And we did all that, and I was totally willing to. And then the challenges started in a sense that we're doing two episodes a week, which we had to go up to, to to gain popularity, I think, and become more legit. But dog days of the season, as any player will tell you, you know, you're gro- you're going through a regular season that's long, and we're doing two shows a week, which I'm not at all trying to make it sound like working for two days a week is hard. But when you're thinking of content and thinking of issues around the league that you can talk about and doing interviews like two shows a week it comes quick and there's a lot of times where you're doing a show where there's a lot to talk about after the weekend and then monday tuesday wednesday nothing happens you're like whoa we're doing an hour and a half tonight and so it was always fun going in and, and shoot shooting the shit with your buddies and doing what we do but like you're like oh my god dude we gotta we gotta find something to yeah, chat about here yeah. so those times were and then the pandemic. The pandemic was also hard. Bring the on game, the ring the shrink. Get, yeah, the ring shrink. Well, that's when that's, that's when we, we, you guys were kind of doing. Well, stuff. Well, it was also like then I started realizing I have all these buddies at home and guys I play with that are so funny. Like we, I, I don't necessarily think we have to have on people who everyone knows who they are. Right. And that's and Biz a, has a couple guys like that. That Terry Ryan. Yeah, and it's been like such that. a game changer. Where those are the favorite interviews. Yeah. It's like right. people. You come on. You come on. People love it because it's just. Back in the locker room stuff. It's not like oh the guys the guy's not a superstar. Who cares? Mm. So sorry for spitting on your paper. So I I think that the challenges then began and then the pandemic still two episodes a week, and then now we're back to one episode a week where hockey's I'm not going to say it's a small sport but there's just times in a season where not as much is going on as football and basketball, and so once a week you get the main stories, you get a great interview that's current as opposed to we used to have to bank all the interviews because the episodes had come so quick. Now I'm at a place where I feel like right when the show started again, I'm loving doing it again. It's like any job. There's going to be ups and downs, but right now with the season starting in a week and we're back to one episode a week and we've gotten golf involved with the YouTube content we've done. Shout out to Cornelli. Now I'm like, I'm back exactly when I began loving it. Yeah, Grinaldi's awesome. awesome. Yeah. And, and you love the golf. I love golf. We got a I sandbagger on tap? Oh, yeah, we got a sandbagger on tap. That'll be entertaining. Yeah, well. That'll be very entertaining. <laughs> It'll be a, we'll, we'll Bring your drinking fun. shoes for that one. Well, I guess I guess our last thing we got to touch on is the Pink Whitney. Right? Oh, yeah, Pink Whitney. Can you believe it? It's unbelievable. The first guy ever to put vodka with... Pink lemonade. Yeah, no first one, no one had ever tried it. In no history. one had ever tried it. So I actually, I tried pink lemonade mixed with vodka and ice once. It was a huge hit in the whole world. Wait, how'd, like, you think of the ice? how'd you think of that? Yeah, the ice, it was, uh, I thought of it because when I grabbed the pink lemonade out of the fridge, there was just the ice thing right there. I said, oh, Put I'll throw in. some ice in. Old school cube. Yeah, why not? So I threw some ice in and 
I mean, the fact that it, it, it that it took off the way it did, nobody would ever say that they could have seen this coming. Not even Biz, who sees it all coming in the future. But he said to me, "We got to try making this drink." I've told this story where, like, we were New Amsterdam became a sponsor. I said my favorite drinks, pink lemonade, vodka. It took off. People are sending us pictures, pictures, tweets, nonstop, pink Whitney. So Biz said we got to try to make the drink. I said nobody's going to buy a drink with my name on it, dude. Come on. What are you talking about right now? And he's like, no, no, they will. I said, shut up, Biz. Come on. Stop. Biz We're driving to a house. Maniac. Maniac. But he, you know, he has millions of ideas. A lot of them hit. But this one, I'm like, dude, they're not. New Amsterdam's going to laugh at us saying, make a drink, Pink Whitney. So... Driving to a Halloween party at mom, my wife's parents' house. I was telling her, I was like, look at all these pictures we get. Pink Whitney, we get all these tweets. She's like, why don't you try making the drink? I'm like, oh, boy. I'm like, all right, this is, uh, this is bold. If, if Briz and Bree are saying this, like, that, that means we should give it a shot. And since then, it's been, it's been insane. I could never even describe, like, the feelings as watching this thing grow. And I think that it being a great shot really helps. I think that our our brand with Chicklets has um, has made it like a drink where I think a lot of kids who like the show that are younger playing junior in Canada or you you know college players it's just like a drink that that's like has a fun bottle and fires the boys up fires the boys up so it's easy man I wasn't like a Jaeger guy I could I mean I did it but I didn't like it at oh. least this one it doesn't crush me going down that's awesome yeah so it's uh, awesome it's very great hopefully in the future we get into we will not hopefully like. Figuring out a way to like really start a charity and, and being able to help people throughout the game because that's seriously the next step. We've been so lucky with our podcast to to gain as much popularity as we have. Well, at some point, like I want to give back to the game. I really do. And I think with the pod and Pink Whitney, we're going to be able to do that special ways in the future. That's what it's about, you know, Moss? I hear. So. Motsi, you got anything else? Yeah, so I hear that you... Um have a decent handle on what way guys shoot and maybe their yes, numbers? Yes, what No, no, them? numbers are I'm not great. Huh? I just know if I've played with someone what way they shoot or I've seen someone play. Shane Endicott. Did you Lefty. play with him? Yeah. Yeah. He, Shane Endicott was nasty, yeah. too. And, uh, well, he was my... Hey, what, hey the dough. <laughs> what was he, number four, 14, 14 maybe? in Wilkes-Barre, I yeah. think. He was sick. He it, was 18 his first year. And then Johnny LeClaire, he, he, he would have been in the NHL. He had a bad ankle sprain to kind of set him back in Pittsburgh. But I remember he, like, he would talk like this, Endo from... He was from the dough. <laughs> Johnny LeClaire is just like, he heard this kid talk. He loved it. He's like, the dough. <laughs> Endo. All right, let's go a c- couple rapid fire. Which way do they shoot? Uh, I'm thinking old school Bruins. Uh, Greg Hoggard. Greg Hoggard. Don't remember him, so that don't doesn't remember. count. Uh, number 38, he was a lefty. Yep. Greg Hoggard. Uh, <laughs> Glenn Featherstone. Glenn Featherstone was a lefty for sure. Lefty. Marchi, got anybody? Uh, Marek Svatos. Righty. Nice, dude. Sick player. Yeah. Hershey there. Good job. Yeah, he lit it up in Colorado, oh, too. Get, that guy was nice. Pro guys. What, what number? 40? Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that was, you added to it. You added to it. Uh, well, obviously. Uh, Guys, I'll come on anytime you I was going to say. This is phenomenal. Awesome. This is phenomenal. We, uh, we've enjoyed you. And obviously, you know, I want to thank you for everything you've done for me personally in our life. Oh, obviously, buddy. we wouldn't be. We wouldn't be here with the ring shrinks without the wit dog. That's for that's uh, for you damn got, sure. Your 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 family, you know that. And and Mont, I love you. So I'm very blessed as you guys are, and it's it's pretty cool to see what's happened here because this thing's gaining a lot of steam. I love it. Well, Appreciate thanks a lot, it, buddy. Pal. All right, boys. 
Do you want to become a better hockey player this summer with Paul Vincent Hockey? Since 1972, Paul Vincent, currently the head skills instructor of the Florida Panthers, has been developing NHL and college hockey players. Paul Vincent stands by his saying, there is always room for player development. Players such as Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Keith Yandel, Matt Grizzlick, Patrick Sharp, Adam Oates, and many more have trained with Coach Vincent and his staff and have outstanding results. Join Paul Vincent this summer at one of his four Massachusetts locations, Canton, Saugus, Middleton, and Falmouth on Cape Cod. Registration is now open for 2021 camps. To reserve your spot today, go to pvhockey.com or call 978-807-4070. That's pvhockey.com or call 978-807-4070. Paul Vincent is ready to get back to work this summer. Are you? All right. Well, welcome back. Uh, obviously, hopefully, you guys enjoyed the interview with uh, with the Wit Dog. It was uh, excellent. Really great. Really great chatting with him, and um, appreciate it. But it's time to dip into the mailbag, Mots. Yeah, it was a great interview with uh, a good friend, and a lot to uh, offer, whether it be hockey or um, things outside of the game. So it was it was fun to have him on. Yeah, let's dip into the mailbag. Dip into the mailbag. All right, this one comes from uh, Ryan. He's a South Shore guy. Um, so a two-part question, Moss, but we'll, we'll go with number one first. Daughter is a second year. Mike currently skates for the top team, top boys club program, and top girls program as an alternate. Confidence level is at an all-time high. She's having lots of fun on both teams and loves going to the rink. When is the right time slash right cues or signs to roll her into a girls-only program? Uh, great question. Uh, so I have two daughters that play, and one is in a very similar situation. Uh, my 10-year-old, and I think you continue to let her play both um, until checking. If if that's the uh, if she's having success with both, and more importantly, like if the girls' program is a travel team that you know is going to advance and, and and kind of cultivate a like a more competitive team. Then um, you know you maybe make the switch a little bit earlier, but uh, if she's having a, a ball playing both and you know having some success on her her town team as well, um, I, I would say up until checking, uh, unless she can handle it. You know, some one of my buddies' daughters, two of them played checking right through uh, with the boys, but they were you know a little bigger and, and and could handle the contact. But you know that's not for everyone. So I would just say you know that, that cutoff could be bantam level. Yeah, I think uh, in my experience, I have a, a couple girls that came through my program that are excellent players, both committed to Harvard, the McDonald's, and and I actually coach uh, their daughter, um, another one of the, one of their girls who's a uh, we're first year peewees this year with my own nine group, and um, you know I think that his rule of thumb, his father's at least, was when they got to bantams and checking uh, was kind of his his cutoff point, and then you know. For for other girls, I think if obviously the speed of the game or it does it does get a little bit more and more physical, and if they're not strong enough to keep up, and you know potentially getting injuries and things like that, obviously it's kind of a year to year type of situation. But I think that bantam age is kind of the cutoff point. Yeah, no, I think that's the the play there, and you know you you, you want to play it by the situation, but um, yeah, once the contact starts coming in, you want to you know protect the girls as much as possible if if they're not uh, capable of taking that contact yep yeah and second uh part of this question is uh my son uh is a squirt plays for the tier one team under a phenomenal head coach um 
My son's development has been great under this current coach. It's his second year. He's and his uh, he is at current level where he may he is at the current level where he may benefit from playing with more with a more advanced team and against better competition. However, the advanced team coach hasn't developed talent very well. What's the right move here? Hold him back or or move him up to the the next team? What do you think? Uh, it's kind of a tough, tough one. I mean, if, if the competition at the tier one level is appropriate and your son is developing, then there's really no need to chase it. Um, and if that coach has, if the game isn't going to outpace the coach that the current coach, then, you know, and you're comfortable with that situation, I would, I would stay and, and kind of let them be comfortable playing at that level or in, and just enjoying the time. Um, you know, if, if it is that much of a disparity between the, the, the talent and, uh, your son's development, and then he's dominating. Yeah. And to the point of, of wit, like he was mentioned to dominate a level before you can move on. Um, I, I think that that's where you would have to make that decision. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the, I think the coaching piece at, at the younger age group is so important. If you have a good coach and he's developing and you're continuing on a, a good path, why make a move? You know, why make a move, especially if you know that next level up might not be as good? Or maybe, uh, you know, I don't promote kind of that program jumper and things like that, but maybe you look, look elsewhere where he could possibly get better coaching, you know. But I understand it. I think, I think um, you know, if you're happy with where you are, and the coaching's good and all that stuff, why make a change, right? Like, that that's kind of how I look at it. Yeah, and if the competition is, you know, reasonable. Good. Yeah, yeah then, reasonable. Yeah, you got to be able to kind of take all those factors into consideration in, when making a decision. Yeah, yeah, we got a couple more, Motsi. Yeah, so as far as um, on Instagram here, it says, Hey, Ross, what was your chin-up record for Chappie? Oh, so that... Let me let me look at that. So that oh that question comes from uh, Sean Collins, who is obviously a, a great player at UNH nice. and uh, Reading High legend yep. with his Jofa helmet. But uh, great college player, and Chappie was our strength and conditioning coach. I think chin ups are different than pull ups. We I think we had to do pull ups. You know what I mean? Chin ups are kind of the hands facing you, yeah, hands facing you. We I don't think we ever really did those. We were more chin up guys. I don't know. I was probably about. A dozen or so, but does half does Baker's does? Yeah, I mean, now I'd be lucky to get one for yeah. sure. Ah. I'm a Peloton guy though. Yeah, I pull up. Yeah, now uh-huh. that's pretty good though. If you go on twelve, I mean, that could be generous. I mean, Collins, he 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 knows the answer. No, the good question is he doesn't know the answer because he was never in the weight room. He just <laughs> did everything on the ice. He was a stud on the ice, but he was allergic to the weight room. That's for sure. That's great. All right, so we got another one here. Um, cross ice passes. This is from Mike Internet. Cross ice passes and passing in front of the goalie in the D end. Good idea. And when? I mean, I love using the middle of the ice, right? If you can, if you're D and you're confident, and you you're confident in your centers to be swinging low, and you can, you know, I think at the younger age groups, everybody that you know they're D pinch and they crash and things. So if you can. Uh, get your defenseman looking and looking to you to to find the center and find the middle of the ice. I think I'm all for it. Like I, 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 as long as it's 
you know, obviously, if there's nobody there, you can't just throw the puck up the middle of the ice. That's the that's that's the bottom line, right? But if you have that confidence between your your your, your D partner and your center swinging low, and you can you can make that play, it's a confident play. Um, you've got to practice it. I I, I love it. And I absolutely agree. The middle of the ice is a, an area that it's a pressure area that if there's a turnover, bad things can happen. So you have to be sure in your decision making, but. That's a great way to exit the zone with um, full possession, you know. Because if you think about, if you watch the games consistently, and you're just shoveling it up the wall, it's I hate e- that play and rimming it. I hate rimming it. Yeah, it's easy to kind of read and defend if you're on the opposing side. So, what I would say always to the the forechecking uh, guys on our team would just be like, make them make a hurried play because you know it's going to be a predictable play. And that's up the wall, usually the wall, right? Panic button. Yeah, and, and that's easy to anticipate. So you work on your anticipation, and it all you know is you know dictated by that that pressure. But if on the other side, if you have the ability to like teach a team, it's okay to use the middle of the ice, and that center has to be available and understand he doesn't have to be going fast. So it's like low and slow between the dots. That's what we would always say, and. It could be in his feet, but if he has time to kick it to his skate and then make a play, that's all right. You know, mm-hmm. the time, if you're skating up ice and, and you're skating into pressure, then it could be trouble. But using the center of the ice is huge. And as coaches kind of realize that and kind of you have to live and die by it at times, you know, there's going to be some mistakes but uh, that could lead to offensive chances. But I think it's great um, to encourage it at least. Yeah, and I mean, and, and the second part of that is cross-ice passes. I mean... I love guys going, you know, D to D and throwing it across the ice. And, you know, as long as you have a winger that's there and you're, you're able to make play. But I encourage our guys to, to, to spread the ice out and make plays and, you know, work on that saucer pass across the ice and things like that. you gotta, you got to do it. you got to be confident with the puck. Again, it comes back to confidence with the puck. And if you're screaming at your kids to just, you know, shovel your crap up the wall all the time, they're not going to be confident with the puck. So mm-hmm. encourage your kids to make plays and – you know, again, there's a right and a wrong time. If there's a guy standing in front of me, um, I can't just make a cross-ice pass, right? I have to have my head up, and, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of different factors. But, you know, look to make plays. That's- yeah, and, and that goes two ways with the forward being low enough, so it's more of a, a cross-ice pass versus a diagonal pass uh, where it can be easily knocked down and, and, and passed into coverage. But that just goes into some positioning stuff and trying to get open for your teammate. But right. Yeah, so- cross-eye sauce. Cross-eye sauce, I love it. I love it. I love the sauce. Uh, and the last one we have here is uh, from D. Conley. When will Dusty be on the show? Oh, Dusty. You know uh, you know who Dusty is? Brian Foley? No, no. Uh, Dusty is Pat. So Pat was my captain at UNH. He oh, played at the USA team. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was a couple years ahead of us. Pat went on and coached at... The under eighteen team he coached in uh, at Harvard, coached at Northeastern. We work together now. Uh, another good friend. Open invitation for Dusty. Dusty. We got some great stories. Uh, an he, ultimate he, leader. Ultimate leader. Great guy. Knows the game inside and out. Obviously, coaching. Um, you know, had a great career. Was I? He was a three-time captain at UNH. He redshirted one year, so he ended up being a cap. So. Another to, guy that tough that, to play against. Got in oh, on the four check. Oh, a missile! Yeah. Absolute wrecking ball out there. Played with his brother Brendan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Brendan had a great quote that he's like, "I just wish hockey wasn't 
played with a stick. Like he just wanted <laughs> to play football out there. He's an animal. But and, great and, family, great and family. Their, and their brother Brian was my roommate for four years. One of my best friends. Uh, you know him, Wit, myself. Like you know that that that's our crew. So Dusty, open invite anytime. Uh, anytime he wants to come on, would would have a blast. And he has a great outlook at the game, coaching, yeah. recruiting. Um, the under eighteen team, all that type of stuff. He's like the all American, all American man. And his father, if you ever drove through East Milton Square, which where we are right now, he was a the bike cop in East Milton Square, and and he wasn't afraid to pull you over for not not turning with your your blinker on or something. <laughs> Good, but unbelievable hockey family, great people. So Dusty, you're up. Let's you're, go. Yeah, you're in, up. in the bullpen. You're in the bullpen, Dusty Baker. Uh, well, once again. We appreciate the questions. Again, some of these emails that we're getting, um, you know, we encourage it. But let's use that voicemail, 3476-SHRINK. And what was the numbers, Mott? I mean, if, if Harry from High Park can figure out to spell out shrink. Yeah. Well, it's 3476-747465. Say it again. 3476-747465. All right, so let's three, four, seven, six. Shrink. Yeah, let's use that voicemail. Obviously, it's a little bit easier, as you can tell. Um, It'll be great to hear out of. I like hearing voices, and my my, uh, nobody wants to listen to me read. I'm not a. I'm not a reader. I think people do. Uh, No, they don't. (laughs) No, they don't. I probably butchered half of these questions. You know what I mean? But it's uh, all good. All good. Uh, Well, thanks again for listening. Obviously, thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to to. Ryan Whitney for coming in. He was he was awesome, and you know he's another guy. Like I said, he's one of my best friends, and um, you know he was a great player, had a great career, and obviously has you know a, a successful off ice career now um, with Spitting Chicklets, and and you know I owe everything to him. He's just a, a, a generous person. A, comes from a great family, and and he's just he's the man. I love him. Yeah, great guy, great guest. Uh, looking forward to that sandbagger. Can't wait for that sandbagger. And, and, and again, another little, you know, let's give you a, a little round of applause for grinding through. This guy had surgery the other day, and he's here. He's, you know, yeah. he couldn't miss his date. I'm going to give him a massage after the show. <laughs> a little deep tissue. A little deep tissue. Yeah. Rub, down, rub down the hip a little bit. Get him loose because we do have, we got that sandbagger. It's got to be, yeah. I got to dial it in. I can't wait to use that excuse this spring that, that uh, I got to play golf at least twice a week, huh? Yeah. You know, sorry. Gotta work on the game. I got to work on the game i can't look like an embarrassment on on tv you know no that'll be fun but yeah Witt was a great guest and uh sharing his experiences was was nice because he has a lot of people that know him through chicklets and um don't might not know some of the things behind you know the person so uh it was nice for to, for him to be interviewed versus giving the interview good stuff so thanks again for listening we appreciate it and and until next time till next time we'll see you around the rinks